Yo, what's up guys and gals? Man, as many of you know, the Gravity Lab Air Show is coming up. We are leaving next week, Monday. Nick, myself, and Justin will be on the road as I'm recording this ad right now. The one, the only, the mustache, Jesse, has walked into the room. What's up, buddy? Uh, so we actually record some... Uh, uh, yeah, have a seat, bro. Sit down. We're riffing a little bit about... Uh, Performance designs, actually. Performance designs. So, guys and gals, Jesse uh, Tex will be on the mic in a minute. Um, we're going to be at Performance Designs Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Huge, huge shout out to the guys and gals at Performance Designs. They are not giving us, not only giving us a room for, and a space to use, they're letting us use for the week. They're uh, giving us some exceptional hours. They're really hooking us up, and they are super killer folks. But that is not the reason I like Performance Designs. I like them because they're an accessible company for everybody. You want a new parachute? How do you get a new parachute? Of course, you can order it from your favorite gear store, but you don't know what you want. Go to performancedesigns.com. Click on demos. Jesse, you know how to put those headphones on, Tex. Put those headphones on. Put a microphone in front of your face. Help me talk about PD a little bit. I know you like that company. But Performance Designs, go to their website. Click on demos. As soon as you get over demos, the wire goes on the left. Yeah, he's getting there. Uh, Sport USA, Sport Europe, North American Tour. You have all sorts of options. Jesse, let me get you on mic. I love calling you that name, by the way. Mm. Um, and then submit a demo request. Have you ever requested a demo from Performance Designs? Sure, yeah. Yeah, man. And how hard was that for you? Not too easy. It, not too easy? No, too easy. <laughs> too easy. And it, it really, it, it is as simple. It's that easy. So I just clicked on that on my computer right in front of me. After you submit your request, please allow three to four business days for a PD rep to get in touch with you. Text by the process. Make sure you have your credit card ready. I think that's kind of a lie because they usually get back to you in one to two business days. I it think was, yeah, it was super quick. Yeah, how quick? Like right away, same day? Uh, I can't can't remember. It's been a little bit, but it was quick. You're getting old, and I doubt you're going to remember <laughs> this next question. But Jesse, do you remember exactly how much money it costs to get a demo? Yeah, but it was like 50 bucks. Dude, straight up, 50 bucks. If anybody else is charging you more, you're welcome to go to them. But you can go straight to Performance Designs, get straight with them, pay 50 bucks. Right now, I'm going to click next on the U.S. Demo Center because I'm in the United States for all you Estonian listeners. Dude, we got a handful. We got a pocket of people from, uh, from Estonia. 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 Dude. Shout yeah. out Estonia. Dude, shout out, man. It's super cool. I've been shipping stickers out there lately. I've been looking into their Scott. I've been seeing a little bit, just checking it out. Uh, guys, if you're in Europe, in Estonia, find Tex. He's super awesome. I want to go. U.S. Demo Center. Uh, canopy. Select Canopy. Oh, man. I think I'm going to pick a Spectre. It is one of my favorite canopies. Your name, your phone number. That's all you have to do is fill out some basic information. They want to know how long you've been jumping, what you're jumping, what what your experience is, because they don't want to send just anybody like a Valkyrie. If you're asking for something exceptional, they'll ask you about your coach. Get, let them know. But it really is that easy. It's one page. Hit send. You're done. You get a canopy for do you remember how long? Uh, was it 20? No, no, no. Two, uh, two days. Two weekends. Two weekends. Two weekends. You get it for two weekends. It comes in a box. Do you remember what else came in that box? A shipping label. Mm. You ain't got shit to do, guys. <laughs> it comes on risers, canopy. You cut away your main. You get it. You hook up the new main. You change your deployment bag. You jump it for two weekends. Shipping label. It goes back. 50 bucks, it's said and done. Check them out, performancedesigns.com. We will be there next week. No doubt you guys will hear more about it. Till then, you're about to hear a little bit more from the, tonight's guest. Do you know him? Mm. We're going to call him Nick Lott. You're the host. 
Oh, perfect. Perfect. Let's, let's grill them. Yeah, yeah. Really weird, guys. Usually the guest isn't in here as we're uh, polishing out this ad. Nick just run, uh, knocked on my doorbell. But tune in. If you've heard the show before, you've heard Tex. Super fun, super good dude. He is absolutely into men. So if you ever see him, give him a big hug and ask him for a mustache ride. Enjoy the show. I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You are listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and Nicholas Lott. Produced by Justin Grubbs. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Fuck yeah. that vegan nonsense. Yeah. Not going back. Is, is like, yeah, if I just eat a like a vegetable salad, like vegan salad. Yeah, you feel yourself needing something more, man, right? It's like twenty minutes later, I'm like, I mean, that felt good and all, but I need to I need to eat. Gentlemen, how y'all doing? Did that just start just that fast? Oh yeah, dude. I started recording the man, salad talk. That was a sneak attack. That was nice. Dude, I, it was tame. We were no longer in private. Did you even put it? Is, is Facebook oh, even fuck, um, So keep going. I'm going to work on Facebook over uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed like... <laughs> yeah. No, you, you nailed it. Fuck it, dude. Yellow. We're living it up right now. <laughs> What's up, Tex? What's happening? Welcome back. Yeah. So... Uh, How them. many of these have y'all done? 120... Six. This is number six. Hey, six, will you turn my headphones up a little bit more again? I'm, I'm just having a hard time hearing everybody. Yeah, yeah, keep talking. I'm going to play with other couple. Yeah. I love when he plays with my knobs. So, like, when I come on here, I have this weird, like, paranoia for a second of just, like, you know, the government's going to be recording this. <laughs> or, like, I have those sort of thoughts. No, we you know? are. It's like, <laughs> and y'all are doing this 126 times already. Like, what, what's that like that you just, like, I mean, are out there? I'm sure I've said some ridiculous yeah, exactly. things. Exactly. Like, and you, you, know, you know, the compilation my, of My biggest worry is being repetitive. Mm-hmm. Of, like, I'll tell a story. Totally. And I'll be like, fuck, I've told this story before. And if someone has heard this recently, they're going to know how much of a boring, repetitive piece <laughs> of shit I am. Well, I mean, yeah, that's 126 times, what, two hours? Like, that's, uh, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. lot of... You know, I say, yeah, 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 a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you ever go back and listen to it? I've never listened to a single episode. <laughs> I bet it would be so weird. It would be torture, dude. Okay, <laughs> would, so every it? every video project I do, if I'm going to interview somebody... Mm-hmm. So um, just uh, a few weeks ago, I was in Cluiston, shot an interview with this guy, Joe. Yeah. And Joe's uh, interview was probably an hour and ten minutes that we sat and, and he told me his story. The very first thing I do when I start to edit something like that is I go through and I take out every question I ask and any bit of talking or banter that comes from me because I cannot stand just to squirm out to of your skin. Yeah. Just because, because I'll be listening and be like, man, why the fuck did I ask that question? You, you don't have any problem making blooper reels of me though. Well, you're good at being <laughs> silly. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like you volunteer the blooper reel no way, content. I'd, I'd had no idea that there was that much uh, content out there until you made that one little... Remember we were filming yeah, film for, for iFly? iFly? Yeah, I remember. I'm just trying to remember. I can remember one thing you said really uh, yeah, clearly. Yeah, there's a, probably a whole lot of that that so just, should never just be Just for anyone who doesn't know what Tex and I are talking about, I was filming some uh, tutorials for IBA for iFly for the flyer chart that lives behind the, the glass at most tunnels. Right. So each one of those, uh, if you look at the flyer chart that you'll see inside any iFly, you'll see that there's a little QR code next to a lot of the uh, skills. You scan the QR code, it pulls up a video of a tutorial. And I was trying to sell the corporate people at iFly on doing it my way. And so I used text to, to be my standard instructor of, hey, I want you to, to, to describe it this way and talk to the camera. And But it was a... It w- it was like the most simple skill 
it was so difficult to uh, like elaborate on, you know, because it was just so basic. And <laughs> he's like, and just just go, just just chat it up with the camera. And I'm, I mean, there. I I think I said, yeah, just to t- tell the camera like you would tell a first timer what to do. Yeah, but you're sitting there, so yeah, and I'm sitting there with judging eyeballs, yeah. ready to smirk <laughs> at any stupid ass eating grin. Say. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, this should be good. <laughs> I remember your response was, how do you breathe? Tell me, how do you breathe? <laughs> I was like, well, I, I don't know. In and out, man. But there were some other more ridiculous things that were said that I uh, yeah, definitely. won't repeat. Yeah, that's it. So uh, you spent less time in that windy tube recently, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's been pretty much skydiving this past year. How many jumps do you make in the last year? Almost 1,100 in the past year. Nice. How many total jumps do you have? That's like a third of your jumps, isn't it? Yeah, I have a little over 3,000 now. So, been crushing it. Thirty your jumps in one year, That's pretty much. That's man. pretty awesome. Yeah, and uh, I think I, I did like a quick tally, um, and it was something around nine hundred of those jumps this year were leading angle jumps. Wow! So, definitely a, a big learning curve for me. At, at what point did you know that this year was going to be like that? Like, did you have a sense before it started of oh man. shit, here oh, we no, go, I'm definitely. on the ride? No, I look back uh, this time last year, and I think. Um, particularly in Europe, where I spent at least probably half this this year, I think I had like three events planned the entire summer, you know, and they were in consecutive months, like May, June, July, I had one event I- in Europe. And um, by the end, I, I mean, there was a, I was having, you know, 20 week stretches and stuff like that without not working an event. So um, I don't think I realized till maybe the, the new year when I really look back on 2019, just, I think that's when it kicked in of like, how? how? <laughs> it, uh, so you didn't notice while it was happening? You were just kind of swept up in the I in mean, the whirlwind? I think I was swept up, yeah. I mean, that that's not quite true because I was taking a lot of, I was taking a lot of time to be grateful for it. So I was very aware of what was happening, but um, it, I guess I didn't foresee it so much at the beginning of the year that uh, it was really, um, it was really a trip to step back this past month and look at uh, last year, I did kind of like a little summary of the year, mm-hmm. um, particularly for my sponsors and things like that, as well as just for myself and just like go back and list all the events I worked and uh, the amount of jumps and everything like that. And it was, um, it was eye opening even for me. What sort of places were on that list? Give me well, the highlights. Um, I did uh, quite a few events at Spaceland at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year. And then when May rolled around, it went from one event in May to I was there for almost two months straight with an event every uh, every weekend, and I think it started in Spain, went to Portugal, Italy, Slovenia, Hungary, some really cool places. What's the prettiest place you saw in Europe? I think B- B- Bovec this year, yeah. I have no idea where Bovec is. It's in Slovenia, uh, Okay, so north of Italy. That the, And those are the pictures of you tracking through the mountains, right? Yeah. Yeah, something else. So you fly into Venice, and it's like a two and a half hour drive north uh, to Slovenia, and it's uh, it looks like Narnia, man. It's something else. Yeah, it was uh, it was special for sure. And what what was the event that you guys were doing there? It was Adventure Boogie. It was a tour tour event. They're a big uh, organizing crew in uh, in Europe, uh-huh. and one of their guys, one of their newest their newest member, Floris, was uh, down this past weekend uh, doing some coaching. With oh yeah, out here at Spaceland. So we did a little, uh, little angle skills the, camp. A handsome Danish devil, right? Uh-huh. That's him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's pretty cool. 
pretty cool event. So uh, the adventure boogie, uh-huh. it's it's more than just skydiving, right? Yeah, it was a, it was you know they offer everything. So if you want to go there and jump your ass off, you can do that. If you want to kind of get more into the nature and hiking and all that kind of stuff, it's it's pretty available to you. But the whole country is uh, is something else. It's really really beautiful. Um, so that was definitely a highlight, and uh, but just uh, Portugal is amazing. I really love it there. It's uh, some of the best views I've ever had jumping. And it's got to uh, be right on the water, Portugal, right? Yeah, yeah. It's in uh, it's in Algarve, and uh, it's yeah. It was it was unbelievable. Pretty tough place to uh, to navigate. A lot of moving groups in the sky. It's uh, definitely takes some skill. It was just because the terrain all looks so ter- similar. The terrain, yeah, it's, it's you got to get it right there. Does it so. look anything like being over a bunch of uh, ranches in the middle of Ennis, Texas? <laughs> no, <laughs> in fact, that turned out that was a little bit sketchier, actually. Uh, here we'll just talk about that story. So, uh, DJ, did you do we tell you about jumping out of helicopters a few weeks back, filming some stuff for round three? So, I know everything up to the trip. I've heard these little snide comments you've made recently to your homies, mm-hmm. and I've been waiting to ask you. Cool. I don't so, know shit. Do you know who round three is? Yeah, that's AJ. So AJ uh, Aguirre, I think is how you say his last name. I always have called him Aguirre. But yeah. AJ and uh, his friend Ben Hamner have a, I guess you'd call it a production company. No, it's definitely a production but, company. But yeah. it started as a YouTube channel, right. which is why in my head it's it's a little different than what I think of a production company. Mm-hmm. But uh, th- we did a video for that um what was that four years ago yeah, maybe more so th- this video is the most viewed video i've ever made it has like three or four million views on on twitter i think is where it really blew up mm. but uh they had that aj and ben they own uh these really high-end cinema cameras red epic cameras and uh, it's a 10 pound box with a lens on it it's just Real quick, speaking of Portugal, um, that video that has just gotten around so much, it just seems like a little bit of time goes by here and there, and somebody sends me a message. Uh, they're watching that video in you know in a restaurant TV in Tokyo, just playing in some crazy like place, yeah, right? I, dude, I got a message. It happens to me all. The I got time. a message about that video yesterday uh-huh. from someone who I've known for a couple of years who has just been, man, this video is so great. I watched it a hundred times. Yeah, and there was a there was a night uh, during. Flight camp. Fly uh, for if you lies. look up uh, free fall in 4K on round three, it should bring it up. Fly for Lies flight camp. Uh, it, they did one in Europe this year in Portugal. Mm-hmm. And one night um, in the middle of the event, uh, Alethea and I just snuck away just to have dinner. And we're sitting at this Indian food place, kind of in the, the town square-ish, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, I look across to this little sports bar uh, on the other side of the street. And there's these tiny little streets, you know, these little cafes. And on the other side... Is the that video playing on one of the TVs? That's bizarre. That is bizarre, man. Super, super weird. But this was our uh, oh, DJ's just put it up on the screen right there. It's our first jump with that red camera, which for <laughs> me was super intimidating because you know I remember asking AJ, "Hey, how much does this camera cost?" And he's like, "Oh, new. It's about twenty thousand dollars." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, great. Let me go throw that out of a f- out of an airplane right now." And this and was so, supposed to be a practice yeah, jump. Yeah, practice too. jump. This was jump number one of like, hey, let's just go see if I can fly with this thing on my head. What the hell am I wearing gloves for? Because you're awesome, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Obviously. Man, I, I watched this and it's like, it's great because 
hell, it's it's a beautiful jump, no no doubt about it. But there's that little perfectionist in me. Yeah, but do those little but. dude? I like it. I think those white gloves give us some pop. Yeah, the uh, the gloves and the like the sunglasses too, man. Like there are a couple of times in the video where we're real close. It's like I can even see my reflection in your sun. Like right here, that just that glow off the sunglasses, dude, is unreal. I was still very much a tunnel rat here, so like putting the gloves on felt like. It's time to fly. Yeah, something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's sure. time to do work. Something dude, about strapping that Velcro on. I, re- I dude, I remember because we were doing VFS in the in these days. Yeah. Now and I would I would lose my mind being under canopy with those gloves on. I would well, hate it. You look cool. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. But uh, so we were doing another project for these guys. There's a, a cowboy boot company called uh, Rojo. Rojo. I always want to say Rujo. Rujo. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's that's the color. Rujo. Roja, that's something. <laughs> but that's I a just name. Spent how much? It's, it's time a name it's we should Ro- definitely, Roja d- is definitely red, know. But it's Rojo. No, I mean, I think it's something Ru- else. Ru- oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to look it up in People my conversation with with AJ because I feel like an idiot for not knowing. No, no, no. It's Rojo. It's R O J O. Is it? Yeah, I'm confident. I thought it was Ru. Confident. I thought it was not the color red. But anyway, Cowboy Boot Company. Their goal is to be. Are they Australian? No, they haven't launched yet. It's a new company. Okay. So this um, this video that we were filming for them is basically a commercial. They want it's uh, Rujo R U J O. That's the color red. That's not the color. That's not well. The name that's of the, the boots. name of the goddamn boots I'm looking I at pro- it right now. I promise you, you're wrong. Rujoboots.com. Nope. R U J O Boots.com. Get it, DJ. Make me right. Anyway, regardless of the, you know, the, right. of the name. <laughs> now I'm doubting myself. <laughs> regardless of the name. You know what? I'm going to dig in here. I'm going to get to this fucking story. <laughs> I know it. So we're shooting a commercial for this company. They want to be the Red Bull of boots. That's the message they've said. So cool. Awesome. Let's let's take these boots out of a, out of a helicopter. And so uh, they have the helicopter rented for the day. And the forecast was like pretty bleak. Shit. Right? Yeah. Did you expect that we were going to be jumping? Yeah. Like, uh, no. Not at all, man. Hey, Tex, can you read the I screen was for me? Huh? Can you help me? I can't. My I, I can't read the screen. Can you no, tell me what I that says? No, no, no. I can't see it from Does here. Does it say Rujo? No, I can't be, see it from I, here. Be, so. be bold or be brave. So let's keep this moving <laughs> for the listeners. Um, <laughs> we don't want to get stuck on one thing for too long. We don't want to get stuck on <laughs> so how right. I was as uh, <laughs> as the helicopter showed up three hours late. Go ahead. Yeah. Continue. So here you want you go for it. Tell the story. <laughs> no. So no, I mean, I'll, we're at we're at IHOP. Take it from there. We're at IHOP in the morning because we don't think we're skydiving. We were at IHOP, huh? Yeah, we were pretty uh, pretty committed to that really not happening. But uh, yeah, that, it was. I was trying real hard to be optimistic about yeah. about us jumping, but the forecast looked like shit. Mm-hmm. And the the day before, the forecast looked like a maybe. And then we woke up and I checked it again, and it looked worse. <laughs> of like it was just supposed to be cloudy all day. Yeah. So we're at IHOP. Yeah, and I'm the, eating. An impressive amount. That's that's a that doesn't ever waver. <laughs> there are not many people in the world who I would be like genuinely. Con- I mean, there are not many people who I know personally that I would be like gen- genuinely concerned for my well being mm-hmm. if I was in an eating contest with said person. Yeah. And man, I don't want to do that with you ever. Are you coming to stuff your face thing we're doing? <laughs> um, did you see that today? Yeah, I did. I'm a hundred percent in. Do so, you, is there God, how is many it, tangents are we going to get onto? <laughs> Stuff Your Face Festival is what's happening in early March. I think yep. the 3rd or the 4th. Yep. But we're going to try and hit like 10 different restaurants in the Houston area and just see how... I think we should do a weigh-in. 
like before we start, we weigh it. It's not a bad idea. But God, that's just going to turn it into a contest, which is going to ultimately end in me hating myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that's that's why I don't want to be in an eating contest with you because I know neither one of us are going to fucking quit. Right, you're and the only person that can push it uh, as much as me that I know of. So, um, yeah, I don't know if we want to go down. That yeah, road. I would. I would be happy to call a truce instead of. Dude, I feel like we've been pretty good about that. Yeah, in the past year, because when we first met, it was like <laughs> you were having eating contest yeah, we, with him without him knowing it, when no, you first it, met. Well, wasn't that that story? I mean, kind more, of. Yeah, it was more like, or less. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're gonna order that? Well, I'm gonna order this. Exactly. And it just got a little <laughs> out of hand, and then it got to some point ridiculous level where I know this is gonna be hard to believe, but I was starting to get kind of competitive with it, and uh, I decided this is just a terrible idea because I actually enjoy going out with my buddy and having a dinner yeah, you know, and I don't always <laughs> need it to be uh, like a, you know... Let me ruin myself yeah, with this exactly. food. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we're, unspoken at, agreement. <laughs> we're at IHOP. Okay, uh-huh. go back to, the, back to the story. IHOP. Where are we going round, with this? Round three helicopter. Are we just explaining? I just want to talk shit about the helicopter pilot. That's, oh, really, that's really where I'm trying okay, to get. Okay, I think I figured that much. But um, <laughs> yeah, so pretty much it was... We were asking for a head-in. Well, or jump run, on. which should so, be pretty straightforward, right? The, north, like I, you know, most pilots are going to know where north is. Yeah, right? you should. Yeah, <laughs> I when bet, I, say, I mean, when I don't I know. Say, I didn't look up there, but I figure there's probably an instrument, like a compass, maybe, maybe on, yeah. on this compass GPS or the, the city of Dallas that you can <laughs> see on the horizon directly to north in front of you. Yeah, I expect that. So, well. Let's let's be let's own a little bit of this, and uh, we could have given him a better briefing. Uh huh. But yeah. he faked the funk on his level of I understanding pretty, of what was going on. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? In a way, I gotta respect it because <laughs> you remember you remember me standing. <laughs> you remember me standing there, and he like we were giving him the briefing, and he's just like, uh-huh. yeah. and I was Got just it. like, yeah, totally. I trust this man totally. <laughs> like, it did seem like he had. I mean, it. He seemed like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, I got this. I'll wherever you want. You got it. You yeah, know? but his, his performance started off poor early in the day when we called him up and uh, he said the night before, hey, I can be there in 35 minutes. You mm-hmm. let me know and then 35 minutes, I'm there. We all called bullshit on that. Dude, I, th- I I did not. I thought he was going to be there. I he, for sure thought he was going to be there. He was like south of Austin. He was just like, yeah, well, no worries. Yeah, his temple is where he was coming yeah, from. Tele- I don't, I don't teleporting? Know, or? I don't know what the ground speed does on that helicopter, but it's like it is a flying machine. It should get there in a reasonable <laughs> amount of time. So he says 35 minutes. We call him. What does it take him? Almost two hours to show up? At least. So, okay, you just cost us two jumps, but what's cool, whatever. I'm not paying for it. And then, uh, yeah, the first jump. Went pretty well, right? Yeah, it went pretty well. I think that it, this was his first time flying jumpers, uh-huh. so I thought he's probably pretty paranoid about doing a good job, which sure. is understandable. So he actually paid attention, and I believe that he saw the property on the entire ascent, that he was looking at it. Right. And it, based on where it was when I got out of the helicopter and looked, he could see it, and I could see it because I was on his side, right? right? So we do the first one. went yeah, pretty we well. Yeah, we could see it fine. We uh, were oh we didn't say that we were jumping on a private ranch up near Dallas. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, which, I mean, yeah, as you do. <laughs> yes, it was awesome, <laughs> dude. This uh, DJ, I should maybe I should send you this video. How would I send you a video that you could put up there? Anything I can just message it back to myself, but Facebook. I'll try that. Keep in mind, we're uh, dressed for success. As hell. Yeah, 
I mean, you guys were country as hell. Yeah, I so. was wearing a jumpsuit. I looked cool. <laughs> but oh yeah, it's you guys so are so out of place with us. It was uh, it was incredible. You guys are wearing cowboy boots. Yeah, we're wearing all cowboy stuff. And what was uh, the brand name again? Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and Nick's dressed in all white like a Euro. I was more European than Tex was oh, for a day. It was crazy. I mean, you are European now. Excuse me? Yeah. What, did, uh, can we start calling you Euro? Did that European? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, all right. So yeah, you- <laughs> this, uh, the, the property was beautiful, though. They had like 80 acres or something like that. And most of it was covered in, uh, well, not most of it, but there's a good chunk of it covered in trees. Deer shit? And deer <laughs> shit because they had like 80 uh-huh. head of deer. On, no, on it was more than that, but yeah. It was crazy. And exotics and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, all sorts of... All uh, sorts of interesting stuff for Euros. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm trying to send DJ this uh, Man, this the messenger. look you gave me as I said that uh-huh. was between disgust <laughs> and shame. You're like, I'm going to kill you, and I earned that <laughs> moniker, you son of I don't think you've earned it yet, but you're on your way. I'm waiting for you to come back from How am I on my way? Wearing like tight, skinny jeans. Whoa. Hey, where are those pants from? Come on now. Sorry. Come on. Those Sorry. are not tight jeans. Yeah, anyone, anyone who's only listening, he is not wearing tight pants. That's right. Okay. So the first jump goes well. We land back on the property. We think it's all good, right? Mm-hmm. So we pack up and we go up for the second one. And second jump, uh, on the first jump... Um, Tex and I were on one side of the helicopter and Ben Nelson and Alethea were on the far side of the helicopter and they said that they couldn't see the drop zone because the, where the helicopter was like the fuselage of the helicopter is blocking their view. And so on the second jump, I, I climb out on the strut and I don't see it. Right. And I, I, you could understand I was saying I don't see it, right? Yeah. Like yeah, it there was, was a lot of confusion on the, yeah, on the I, I couldn't see it. Right. Um, uh, Ben said that he could see it. And so I thought, okay, well, they couldn't see it on the first one. This is Ben Nelson at Kook of the DZ. <laughs> yeah, same guy. Shut the fuck up. Uh, whoa, whoa. What just happened? Do, do you, we just out him? Uh, I think you're making an accusation. I thought I that was an objective truth. I don't, <laughs> I don't think you can out Ben. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Who you know what? Is. We'll leave it up to the listeners. Okay, let's go on to this totally different <laughs> topic. I don't know who Kook of the DZ is. I had to stop following it. You told me explicitly that it was Ben Nelson. <laughs> you piece of shit. I never fucking said that. Not what? once. He, sp- he spent 40 minutes in the car no, ride home no, trying no, no. to convince and, me that it was Nick, Ben Nelson. Nick made such a good case What's for it. Okay. It's an Instagram account where they just talk shit about everybody. Yeah. And okay. it's, it's pretty funny. But uh, if you're into cyberbullying. You're going to love it. <laughs> Tex accused pretty. me of being Kook of the DZ, and so that's when I started following it to see what it was all about. So like, well, if someone thinks it's me, it's probably humor that I'd at least appreciate. And then I've heard five or so different people be accused in a serious way of, of being behind this Instagram account. We're getting them some serious airtime. Yeah, that's good. They're, good they're, for them. They're gonna pick up at least hopefully two they, to three followers. Hopefully they get some followers. Yeah, <laughs> Grandly Radio is following them right now. There you Boom. go. There you go. One, one follow, one uh-huh. more. Go follow Kook of the DZ, <laughs> and hopefully, and uh, yeah, go, you need to follow things on this account for me. That's I, how I follow skydiving. Yeah, well, I, I don't, I don't. I'm much more of a an observer than a participator in the social medias. Yeah, I dude, my personal social media follows stuff, but I not like, this. I like to watch. <laughs> I like the fitness girls. <laughs> Fuck. 
Man, <laughs> are there any on there? <laughs> on Instagram? Did you <laughs> gotta look hard? Okay. Super hard. So, back to jump number two. I've climbed out on the strut. I can't see it. Ben says he's good to go. Or Ben says that he sees it. I figure, okay, they didn't see it on the first one. I don't see it on this one. Whatever. We're just we're just gonna get out. So on the first jump, I got to pull a little high because I was a little nervous of having this $20,000 camera with this new $7,000 lens that I knew didn't have insurance on my head. Mm. So, okay, yeah, let's, I'm going to pull a little bit high. I'll feel better about that, getting oriented, whatever. Second jump, I'm following Alethea for, for pull time, and right. I'm getting her opening. So be, I'm going to be a little lower, obviously. So the jump goes, uh, jump goes okay. We didn't get the altitude that we were promised, so the jump went a little faster than any of us expected. So I go, uh, I find Alethea, I chase her, she pulls, great, I roll over, and I'm over a neighborhood that I did not see before. <laughs> like, I did not see this neighborhood on the way up at all. Nope. I have no idea. So I open immediately, and I see these two water towers that we could see from the landing area. Right. And I w- we were like a, a mile and a half on the opposite <laughs> side of these towers that were really far away when we were looking at them. Yeah. And I think that that's why I had such a hard time getting oriented is because totally. I was looking at those towers and being like, well, there's no way I'm on the other side of those. So back to the landing area has to be this way. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> so I was low enough that I I knew that I wasn't going to... Right. If if it was far enough away that I couldn't see it, I knew I wasn't going to make it back. Mm-hmm. So I listened to the training in my brain, and I picked a big open field near a near a road that didn't look like it had any power lines in it. But because I was very disoriented, I didn't know which way the wind was coming from. <laughs> no one left a fucking windsock out in the middle of their field for me, and so I ended up landing downwind in this uh, Woo! in this big pasture it was that was spicy. Yeah, it was it was spicy. Yeah. Watching you like baseball slide almost into a fence was, yeah. uh, yeah. All them lazy else. boys came to good use. Uh-huh. Yeah, they did. I was, dude, I was fully putting the brakes on with both of my legs yeah. sliding, and my canopy landed on top of, of this fence. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> I go, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, well, I lived. I mean, and, and as I'm sliding, I'm just thinking about the value of this camera on the top of my head <laughs> and how I shouldn't do a somersault. The value through, of your legs. Through my legs. <laughs> dude, I would. Dude, my legs were only breaks. I wasn't <laughs> thinking about the integrity of my leg bones. But uh, so now Tex, because he's a fucking, he's the guy, decides to land off with me because that's the responsible thing to do when you see a friend land off in a weird place. Mm. And so he comes and lands on this not, it's, how would you describe the terrain? Uh, like the Serengeti, <laughs> but hilly. But, but more of a gradient. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't, neither one of us had super pleasant landings. And uh, you know what a helicopter is, DJ? It's pretty good at, like, flying around, like, picking up people. Okay, this is not a trick question. I'm like, yeah? Yeah. You can, like, <laughs> when you stand there and swing your dick in circles. Like, if I was like, hey, I'm two miles away and you're in a helicopter. I can land wherever you're yeah, at. I mean, or you could at least fly over and make sure my legs weren't broken. Yeah. But that didn't happen. No, it didn't. The helicopter lands, the people picker upper lands back at the at the property, shuts down, and we didn't have a f- I had my phone on the first jump, mm-hmm. but it went well, so I my level of paranoia had gone down and didn't bring it on the second jump. And we're in the country where there should be no skydivers. No. Definitely. So we're walking along the side <laughs> of the road. Well, yeah, so we get our shit together just in time to miss the constable uh-huh. that, that drove oh, yeah. down the road that yeah. w- would have given us a ride. And I still have this this camera on my Jesus. helmet. So can't, Tex has the brilliant idea of, hey, let's get some, some B-roll footage of us 
hitchhiking back down, which which was funny as hell yeah, to get I, the footage and also worked that we hitched a ride with this super nice mom who, who took who, us back. Who did a double take a few times. I yeah, think. she she drove past us once, right? Yeah, and, and then like slowly rolled up to us again like, well, they're dressed like ranch hands, <laughs> but... <laughs> you were. I looked cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> but she's like, oh, you guys have that gear. Like, you're not going to kidnap me or anything, yeah, right? Yeah, she did. Just, like, just said it as yeah. it is. Like, no. I like how that premise is going to be like the yes or no to yeah. her taking us to. <laughs> yeah, you know you're I mean? not like, going to kidnap me. It's a totally me, fair right? question, you know, that uh, I'm sure she wants to know the genuine answer to, but uh, I mean. No. <laughs> no, of We're course not. not. going to kill you. Shit, We're she asked us. Boys. We gotta tell her. <laughs> yeah. Are you a cop? You know, if you're a cop, you have to say you're a cop. <laughs> so yeah, she's got her what seven year old daughter in the back seat. Uh-huh. So Tex hops up front. I'm in the back with the daughter, and she's just showing me all the cool games on her phone, which I was super into. <laughs> and so she takes us back to the to the ranch where we find all of our friends. <laughs> not looking for us and the helicopter shut down it's like how how many jumps did you guys want to get in today because at this pace i was starting to wonder if they did another jump like they're packing from the yeah Yeah. did you guys go without us who filmed it i had the camera uh so yeah then i had another conversation with the pilot and i was like hey yeah uh this is how wind works and this is the direction we were the f- down downwind already and two miles away from where we were supposed to be getting out and he's like yeah i lost track of where the property was and i was like man don't you think that's a cool thing to tell the people before they jump out of your aircraft of it, i lost track of where the where the landing area was it was uh it was it was surprisingly difficult to to well spot because of that you couldn't move around to that helicopter. Super nice, but like <laughs> you with all that gear on. Oh yeah, I could. I really couldn't move I around mean, that much. And then yet. me giving you room out on the strut. I'm inside. I mean, it was it was, it was very really weird. Was, uh, yeah. I mean, as far as helicopters, I've jumped out of. I've jumped out of far worse. It was sure. it was a good helicopter. No, it, was, it was a sick but, helicopter. But he couldn't see the property yeah. and. I couldn't watch it all the way up, oh, especially God. while I was finding he was it confident as hell. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> And so I remember asking him, so do you like, do you have GPS? And he's like, yeah, but it's only good for like a five mile radius. And I was like, what? Have you seen cell phones, man? You want me to put my iPhone up front? That's the equivalent of like being a skydiver and checking the weather forecast with like (laughs) the iPhone app. You know, (laughs) be like, oh, it looks like mashed potatoes (laughs) next week. No no jumping, you know what I mean? That's like like checking the time of day and using that to determine whether or not the weather is jumpable. Oh, sun's up. It's got to be fucking good. (laughs) People show up that way, though. (laughs) Well, this guy should have had something better. And I, I, I don't believe him that his GPS only shows him in a five mile radius because that's insane. How did you find us? You yeah, flew from two hundred miles away. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> you could fly two hundred miles, but not two blocks. And so we went over this again. Hey, this is what, uh, this is where we want to approach from. This is what the heading should be. This is where we want to get out. And then, okay, cool. Let's go again. We get packed up, and uh, then he gives us he gives us the thumbs up. To, to start getting out and i look out and it's like we are not where you said you were because we were still asking him for a jump run like for a 30 knot ground speed so he wasn't at the starting line and he was already downwind and didn't have 
the right heading and we were not over the property. And so I spent, what, two minutes out on the strut pointing with my hand trying to tell them where to go. You know how you can like see a Dude, helicopter? It felt more like ten. Dude, it could it could have been more. I don't yeah. know. But it was certainly enough to cost us oh, for jumpable sure. time. Yeah. But you know how a helicopter can like take off and it can move backwards and it can move sideways? I'm yeah. trying to tell him, hey, keep this heading and I want you to in skydiving language, side slide over so we'll be over the landing area. And I read on his lips, I can't move sideways. <laughs> I was like, wait. Like, you can't move <laughs> sideways or this helicopter can't move sideways because I'm pretty sure helicopters go sideways. What kind of helicopter was oh, this? A man. nice one. It was a super uh, nice did one. You, uh, did yeah. you get the message that I sent you on, on no, Facebook? I, I sent you a, a message of the of the ranch. I thought maybe it didn't go through. It did not. Uh, yeah, it did not. Here, I'm going to send you a picture of the helicopter in a minute. But uh, it was a really nice helicopter. Um it's, it was a cool day. What was your what was your favorite part of that? Man, the whole day was pretty cool. It was cool. I, mean, wasn't I, I was it? I was happy that we got to jump when yeah. I think like I was trying to be really optimistic about the weather. Right. But in my heart, I was like, man, we're gonna fucking have done this for nothing. Yeah. Um man, watching watching Ben and AJ film you guys was a lot of fun for me. Cool. Uh reviewing the footage was like the was a lot of stuff. fun. Yeah, the B-roll like they yeah. those cameras are just so nice yeah, and those guys are just talented. They sent me some stuff and uh yeah. Yeah, I noticed you guys have been getting some screenshots. Golly. I have been getting those. How good is uh how good is everything in slow-mo? I it's mean, it's so just, good. <laughs> Man, and those <laughs> looks that, ridiculous. That cinema lens. What are you doing? What's he doing over there? I'm having a little private time with the oh, audience. Okay, cool. Well, you if you're can, watching, you're getting a special oh treat. Oh god. I'm just. I'm begging them to please share this. Okay, that's all. All right. Now you ruined it. Share nope. the share got, the show or got what? Weird. Share the live stream. I oh, share everybody's yeah, friends. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I didn't there think you, you guys go. were going to watch me. You're so. welcome. What what, uh, what was your favorite part? Did you have something in mind when you asked me that? No, just uh, I I thought that was a cool ass day, man. What a what a interesting opportunity, you know? Like just looking at my best friends sitting here on a plane or on a helicopter and we're dressed like <laughs> like Texas pimps uh-huh <laughs> getting paid to jump out of helicopters in front of a $30,000 camera baller ass private ranch on a private ranch that's sick and yeah it was just uh it was pretty pretty interesting like for me it was a it was a cool moment those are my first jumps of the year actually no I guess I did a few before that but First jumps back home, and what a what an interesting life we're leading when we uh, get paid to do that for a whole. Yeah, it's pretty silly. Yeah, it's pretty. Ridiculous. That was definitely one of those like just being in the in the helicopter with you guys looking around. It's like, man, what I know. What are our lives? Yeah, exactly. This is ridiculous. I had that moment. I mean, I get that moment pretty often, anyhow, in the airplane. But that was one of those days where I'm looking around, looking at. Uh, you and Ben, who have had such like massive like uh, influence on my path in skydiving, looking at my girlfriend, um, who you know has been living in Spain and she's here in Texas for only the third time with me, and we're all jumping out of helicopters together, wearing you know clothes that were bought for us and <laughs> custom boots made for us and uh, this is this is too cool he's got the footage of the inside of the ranch up right now oh yeah so this guy was uh what would you call this guy what sort of hunter is he a trophy game yeah like big, big game i was trying uh, to find Afri- like a african game a less 
socially abrasive word. But he's a trophy hunter. He's got a bunch of crazy animals in his house. Yeah. For those people just listening, there are, I think, three or four zebras <laughs> in the house. There's an axis deer. There's a black bear. There's uh, a, I can't tell if it's a mountain lion that's above the door. It, it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's he's got quite the collection of, of animals that he's taken. Oh, no, no, no. It was just a straight-up lion. So it was it a happened. lion. Yeah, it was okay. a straight-up lion. And that's what I thought, but, it, man... Crazy stuff. Yeah, crazy. But uh, yeah, what a cool place. The property owners were super cool. the The guy from the the boot company was 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 cool. Everyone had a good time. What but, boot company mm-hmm. was it? <laughs> <laughs> Ruho. Don't, don't do that to me. Be bo- be brave. Yeah, be brave. <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah, so the third third and fourth jump, I had to sit on the strut and tell homeboy where to uh, where to take us, which took a very long time. And then when he should have gone to the airport that was four miles away to grab fuel so we could get the sunset load that we had been after all day, he shut the helicopter down instead, and then we didn't get to do that last jump. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't think some people, you know, they they didn't understand the flow uh, of skydiving the way we did. Well, you know, it was really satisfying that the the crazy skydivers who everyone thought were going to be these yahoos that... You know, they had us sign releases because their genuine worry is that we were going to crash into the house, mm-hmm. that we were the most professional element of, of everything that, that went on. Right. It was pretty pretty satisfying. Yeah, for sure. Oh, he's got a picture of that helicopter up up there. Dude, check uh, out that yeah. fucking camera on your head. That's dude. a massive thing. Dude, it is so... I, I really, man, I really enjoyed hearing y'all's stories because... You're my friends, and this is the shit my friends do. I mean, it, it really, dude. You're fucking flying a beast of a machine. That thing's yeah, that was something else. Things man. heavy. Oh, that's it's, your green and white suit. Now I know why he's making fun of you, because I look fucking good. No, you look great in that suit, but I get what you're making fun of. Yeah. It's a really tight suit. Yeah, I know. I just I was the only one not in right. t- cowboy we're attire. Wearing, we're wearing Wranglers and boots and boots, and, and I'm wearing yeah. my Vans and, and a jumpsuit. <laughs> But uh, yeah, opening a parachute with that with that camera on my head is is pretty interesting. I've got mad respect for anyone who's who's jumped one of those cameras. Yeah, good there's yeah, that's that's the ranch from uh, standing on the ranch. There's our ride. That's like the Magnum PI helicopter, mm. like that's a different a, color. That reference is a little little old for me. Yeah, same. you got the mustache for it, brother. Well. <laughs> but this particular pilot says that he flies a lot of hog hunts, so he's used to low to the ground aggressive sort of flying so i know that what we were doing was outside of his uh, wheelhouse but i mean you guys had a good time but if you fly a helicopter and you don't know where north is you got some fucking problems yeah damn dude it's it amazes me pilots we had a pilot in indiana super smart tons of hours claims he knows to fly well by instruments because he does it for a living because he's a commercial pilot we were getting such fuck spots that the, pi- <laughs> the, the the DZO said line up like this many miles, like it was two or three miles early, and then let somebody spot. I actually was trained to spot from the beginning. I'm old, maybe. Um, and I got out of the plane. I leaned out the door and no shit yelled 90 left. Let him fly for time that way. 90 Oof. right. He had to be able to see the DZ out his side window is why I come to learn to know if he was over it or not. Mm. I'm like... Man. You fly a plane and you think you're over something because you can look out your window sideways and find it? Yeah, yikes. I don't think he knew where North was either. Pilots, like, man, people are impressed by pilots and a lot of them are awesome. Great wonder. But, man, your dumbest friend can be a pilot. Well, spotting, what a lost art, right? Eh, yeah. Yeah. 
I think uh, I think it definitely is. I think everyone could benefit from trying to plan the spot, like trying to plan jump run, looking at the winds, and see. I mean, especially people doing movement jumps for sure. Of like, hey, where where do I want to open, and what direction do I not want to go? Yeah, and uh, I think looking at that and trying to see the big picture of oh this is this is why the pilot picked to put us out here yeah and understanding that is going to give you a more complete sense of um anything you're going to do on that movement jump anyways you know like without uh understanding why a jump one would be the way it is um it's really difficult to then also take into account where your flight path should lead you to and what uh what the effects on other groups are going to be so yeah, I think that's a great practice in and of itself is understanding those basic concepts of why the jump run would be this way. Um, that's part of the curriculum and the the leading course that um, I took with Sharon last month and um, hopefully going to do a, f- a few more with her and Luis and uh, have an opportunity to teach that course. So we, have, we have quite a few newer jumpers that, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot that aren't uh, local to Houston. So uh, maybe you want to talk about what Fly for Life is? Uh, they're a angle flying uh, team, uh, of group of coaches. Been around for uh, quite a few years now. I, I, I consider their um, skill camps that they run just the top. They're um, like everyone in the in the skydiving sure. industry would, would think that same thing. Yeah, right? Absolutely. The most professional. They're just, just definitely the innovators um, in terms of uh, not just the flying style, but uh, education of angle flying as well. So um, they're definitely, yeah, they're definitely at the top of the uh, the food chain in terms of uh, pushing that discipline forward in the past few years. And so they're teaching, uh, most of their skill camps are, it's, you're kind it's of... It's not fa- them. It's, it's Luis Pernetto and uh, Sharon. Okay. Um, Sharon, okay. Yeah. Harnoy. Pilcher, uh, Shannon's wife mm-hmm. as well. Uh, she and uh, Luis have actually created this course, so she's not she's not in Fly for Life. Okay, she's so, her own entity. But just just to compare this, uh, you just brought up the the leader course. Uh-huh. So to compare that, it's like the, 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 the workshop, workshop. Yeah, pardon me. No, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, if people want to look it but, up, though, I want them to be able to find. So it. the leading workshop uh-huh. is most of the Fly for Life stuff I see is the the leader is there and they're kind of coaching everyone about how to be on the jump, right? Sure. How to? You're gonna stay. You mean with what the workshop is doing? No, or the workshop. The workshop being the next step up, right? Like most fly for life camps, you're flying with the organizer. Right. You're not really, you know, most of the people participating in those jumps aren't really leading it so much as they're following and, and getting coaching that way. Right. And so the leading workshop is kind of taking that to the next level. It sounds like uh, of what it takes to lead those jumps. Yes, it's not. I mean, yes and no. I, it's next level in terms of. It's, uh, its focus is on the education side, um, which is going to be different than being in a skills camp and being a participant in a, in a group where you're learning more about your, your technique and, yes, some theory for sure, um, but uh, it's, it's more individual skills and individual skills as a group flyer. Um, uh, but the leading workshop is specifically designed around um, educating people to be able to make informed decisions on whether it be their own leading uh, in movement jumps or as a participant in movement jumps. So just an overall broadening of our understanding of angle flying. So is it's more classroom time then? It, 
it definitely is more classroom time, um, but it has uh, has jumping as well within the day. So um, the idea of the course isn't to create coaches um, or even um, give people any sort of like sign off on like now you're ready to lead, but it's just giving them more information to make uh, informed decisions and ask questions themselves. And yes, throughout the course, they do uh, lead or not, not all of them, but uh, most of the participants will lead a jump um, during uh, between classroom sessions. Um, but those jumps aren't necessarily, they're not test jumps by any means. Uh, they're just applying some of the things that we've talked about in the classroom, but also it really just opens up the door for more discussion time in the classroom after the jumps. Learning jumps. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Is this picture on the screen right now, is that actually kind of the classroom time? Yeah, that looks like uh, Luis and a couple participants in the leading <coughs> workshop, uh, yeah, doing some stuff on the whiteboard. Like if you just are listening to this, these guys are actually <coughs> using, they're using PowerPoint. They've got an aerial map up. They've got some things they're writing. It's, it looks like a very thorough classroom. It's, it was incredible. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about it over the past, uh, I think they've been doing it for almost two years now. But um, <coughs> it's constantly evolving. Um, those two are two of the people that I absolutely frankly just idolize in the sport um and respect the most as as teachers and uh it's it's the curriculum they've created is is fantastic i was really excited to take the course uh, i was kind of shadowing uh sharon um during the course and um even after last year you know leading almost a thousand angle jumps i still walked away with uh tons and tons of uh new information and just I think in a, in a bigger sense, new ways to ask questions about what it is we're actually doing up there. I, I like that you, that you brought that up, like asking questions of, um, you know, there's some information, like especially with angle jumps, if I'm going to follow a group that I want to ask whoever's going to lead. Yeah, well, I mean, definitely you're going to walk away from the course with a, a much more discerning eye mm -hmm. if, uh, if you're only, even if, even if it's not your only, but... Uh, even if you only ever plan on following and, you know, the course maybe even steers you away from, from leading in mm -hmm. terms of, hey, I just, I don't, I just want, don't that, want the responsibility. I don't want that responsibility, yeah. which is totally fair. You're going to walk away with it with a very discerning eye in terms of, like, what to look for in a good leader. So I, I think that that's a really important thing for people to take note of is you're someone with over 3,000 jumps, someone who's a, who skydives professionally, who organizes professionally, who has led over 1,000 angle jumps and th in the last year. And to know that there's information that can still dissuade a person from wanting to lead one of these groups is like, man, if, if I think that that just speaks to what your experience level should be before you're thinking about leading a, a movement jump of, of any sort. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, without taking a course like this, which I hope more and more people are exposed to, um, we you can't necessarily blame those people. It's just it's a situation of you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, I mean how how new of a sport is skydiving, right? And then how new of a discipline is angle flying? Totally, it's the newest of the new, right? And even even amongst us that are maybe attending and coaching in the you know see these high level events, if you will, um, we're still huddling up all the time and acknowledging how quickly things are evolving. Um, so my own my own stance on things is constantly changing or I'm tweaking it or I'm looking at it a different way or a different way of communicating something that I believe to be true in this discipline. And um, the course was just really fascinating because I, I it would be very tough to go into that course with 
some really strong opinions on how things should be done and walk away feeling like uh, like you have entrenched those uh, right. those opinions. That you'd be surprised to walk away unchanged after C- that course? Completely. Absolutely. So Spaceland has kind of some guidelines about uh, experience levels and, and being on movement jumps. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've been to drop zones that don't have yeah. rules like that at all, right? Sure. Uh, for, from your level of experience in leading these jumps, do you have an opinion on how many jumps someone should have or what basic skill set they should have before they start uh, trying to go along on, on angle jumps? Because that's like the cool new hot thing, right? Going along on angle jumps or leading angle jumps? Uh, let's start with the first one. Let's okay. start with going on an angle jump. I've got X amount of jumps. What what what? Or I have this skill set. What should that be? I think that um, realistically, uh, I, I don't have a problem with a, with a low jump number person um, going on a coached, you know, tracking jump. Now, angle, it kind of, it's insinuating that it's getting steeper, uh, even just uh, even just a bit. Um, but I would say, just to use a more generic term, doing a tracking jump early in someone's skydiving life is a great idea. I mean, what an essential skill that is, and it's going to teach you so much about uh, what surface areas are actually moving you and slowing you down and changing pitch and things like that. Um, so I certainly would take somebody with very, f- you know, few jumps, 50 to 100 jumps, and take them on a very, very basic tracking jump, you mm-hmm. know, uh, maybe even a tracking jump with uh, with the hips even just a little forward at first, just so they can feel the surface area on their legs and things and slowly start to bring those hips back and get their center of gravity a little bit farther up their upper body and just feel that pitch naturally start to change and just, you know, trick them, if you will, in the coaching um, to maybe adding a little bit of tiny angle to their tracking and knowing how to control that. But most importantly, just understanding that forward speed and, and where they're, uh, what service areas they're using to actually move themselves. Um, so I wouldn't dissuade anybody from, from getting into tracking early if they're doing it with someone that can give them feedback and a certain level of coaching and also make sure that they're moving in a direction that's safe and how do they know that without uh, being around people that are educated enough to answer that? So I just want to introduce the existence of a hypothetical person mm-hmm. just because this is a person who actually exists and we see them all the time sure. of someone who, uh, but just I'm just making an effort to not name names or point out someone specific, mm-hmm. but someone who, you know, we all went through that hunter jump wonder phase of feeling like you just, you're figuring it out yeah. and you don't need anybody to tell you how to do it. Totally. And now I've got 50 jumps and I see all the cool angle flying that's happening on the internet. And I don't need anyone to tell me how to do it. I'm going to go do it. What's the scariest part about that person for you? <sighs> Tracking over groups. Opening where they shouldn't be opening. Underneath people. Um, putting themselves in, uh, above terrain that is totally unsafe to open up over. Um, not understanding, you know winds and drift and it's not that they need to understand everything but i mean what scares me about that person is you know the big sky theory runs out real yeah, quick. little people big sky uh-huh yeah that uh that's it's only gonna last so long so especially as we evolve and this becomes as you said very popular now we're getting to the point where it's uh totally not 
uncommon at all for uh, there to be multiple moving groups per airplane, mm-hmm. which requires an even higher level of understanding of uh, what exactly we're doing up there and and where we expect to be, where, we expect where we're going to gonna be split and, the, the and space. how can we even expect to be there? You know, like uh, mm-hmm. uh, I've, I learned so much in the course about uh, you know drift and forward throw from the airplane and and things like that. These these things that are still very much theories um, that we're kind of taught early on that we completely understand in our skydiving of what group separation is like and how we achieve it. And we're actually learning quite a bit of uh, those things can be very nuanced and um, hard to predict. So to expect somebody with not very many jumps to have a good grasp on that is unrealistic. It's asking too much, I think. Yeah, so there has to be some culture established um, by the more experienced people to hopefully give that person an outlet of someone to go to and ask, but also a sense of not being afraid of movement jumps, um, but that there is a, there is a very uh, responsible way of, of learning maybe com- more so com- than other disciplines uh, early in your skydiving, like learning to free fly, learning to sit fly or something like that. Um, tracking can have uh, more unintended consequences. I, I would I would uh, foresee, I guess. Yeah, the more you're moving, the more you have the potential to be in a spot that you're not supposed to be exactly. in, right? Whether that's because you flew downwind and you're not making it back and now you're landing off a mile away and no one sees you out there breaking your leg. Yeah. Because you've landed in some crazy, crazy place that right. we don't, you know, that's not built for skydivers to be landing. Or uh, or you just track right up jump run, which uh, <laughs> is a thing that still still happens. I uh-huh. dealt with this just, just last week that uh, we had a... a an uh, instructor doing a mentor jump and someone that he said fell right past him i mean by his estimation if it's if it's accurate it was maybe 50 feet away fell right past him <coughs> because that person was uh had learned somewhere else smaller drop zone wasn't used to uh to a full you know large load of, of people they were on a longer spot than they thought that they should be and they tried to track back to the drop zone and the the straightest line back to the drop zone was the same direction that the plane had had flown, right? Right. So uh, tracks back up the the line of flight and falls right past the the group that that went out two groups before them. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, you hear something like that, and it's it's obviously a failure on that person's part who came from that small drop zone and just you know made that decision in the moment, and it's not as if we can you know control people's bad decision making. Um, but I guess just maybe looking at it in a uh, more macro sense, not to uh, put anything on anybody else, but just maybe this sense of shared responsibility, I feel, in the community to understanding what exactly the winds are, understanding exactly how f- much farther past the drop zone you may be getting out. Is this a situation where you know maybe you need to convey that to this, this person that you don't know here that's mm-hmm. saying they're tracking? Because maybe he felt like he was tracking off jump run maybe the jump run was slightly different than what it was drawn up on the board so like in his mind when he got out he really was perpendicular but he was more 45 and back and mm-hmm. with the with the the winds and the throw that he got versus that other group he actually was a lot closer to them already to start with and you know there's a lot of uh nuance in there so i i just want to see more education in this area um it, it's always baffled me of how much information a pilot has to have mm-hmm. to, to fly an airplane like there's a lot of stuff you got to know and we're doing 
a really similar activity with a much lower ability to communicate between others who are engaged in the in the in the same activity yeah and we know a fraction of what of what pilots know yeah and i mean essentially that's that's what we are right that's what we're creating with our bodies so we're we're we are acting like airplanes yeah we're that, free fall that, pilot that, <laughs> that can only go down and you know can't communicate decisions we're making in the moment mm-hmm. you know like a pilot can on radio so other than that we are pretty pretty common you know we have a, that commonality and uh, we need to start seeing ourselves as that, um, especially for those of us that do a lot of tracking and movement stuff. We have to start understanding um, the scope of how much sky we're using. And uh, I, I feel a responsibility to the other groups as well, you know, to the to the belly groups and the, the free fly groups and people that aren't, you know, expecting, you know, me to be in their airspace. Mm-hmm. There's a huge responsibility to them as well to to understand that. So. Hopefully that's thing like the what this leading workshop is is really helping promote uh, a kind of change of of culture um, that I'm trying to help promote as well because we don't want angle flyers to get a bad rap because of someone tracking down jump run like that right because you know that can that can change the perception of it much much like we we laugh at wingsuiters right who always land off <laughs> you know like it's just a it's just a joke you know it's like of course but I mean. They have the chop line twist. They're they're wearing a device that allows them to fly farther than anyone in the sky and have the you know the most uh, the most ideal opening spot for them as possible. And yet we associate them with landing off. So let you know, let's build in a culture that that fights that that image. Before we forget, and I think we're still in a good place for this question. It's a really relevant one. If you find yourself on an angle or tracking jump and you realize you're being led back under jump run, what do you recommend people do? Being led back under jump run. Like yeah. I'm assuming he's like just going back towards jump run. Yeah, you're taking them straight back under people, straight back into other groups. Uh, I mean, again, this would be very uh, situationally dependent, okay? Because maybe that person's doing a, a 270, right? Um, which I don't really advocate, but that's a whole nother topic um but uh let's say they're doing something like that well there is going to be a moment that they do fly past jump run or back underneath um are you aware enough to realize that in the moment that uh where exactly you are maybe you're still only 20 seconds into the jump so this is maybe a little bit safer but i think what he's probably talking about this hypothetical would be you're following a leader who's clearly screwing up and leading you into no man's land um, not to dodge the question, but you shouldn't be on that jump with that person. So there's that. If you're so aware in the middle of an angle jump that you are also seeing and checking the flight path, um, then you should probably be leading or this person, you should never have been on this jump in the first place. Having said that, I suppose that if I was super, super confident that we got out of the airplane and we just did never made a turn and we've been tracking up jump run, this half this jump, sure, I'm gonna get out of there. Yeah, like okay, I'm gonna use my own knowledge and skill set to get me out of that situation. But I would say that that situation is, I mean, that's a it's it's certainly a, a hypothetical that I'm sure happens from time to time. But uh, I guess I want to put more of the emphasis on the answer 
being don't be there don't be there yeah, yeah don't don't, don't be jump following with the person that that's going to lead yeah. jump like that yeah it's uh it happens more than you realize just coming from a safety aspect of the DZ and seeing it mm-hmm. um and uh, well i think that just means that there are a, a too large of a number of people who are leading those jumps who aren't qualified to lead those jumps absolutely and I think it's great because I haven't seen it in Houston nearly that much in a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's not the rules that Spaceland has. It's not our policies to angle flying we have. It's, God, I hate doing this. It's the community that you and those other people, because you really, I don't know if you realize this, you are the biggest anchor we have here for angle flying. You've been in angle flying since it really exploded at RDZ. Daniel Angulo has been as well, but you, you are the one who's just really taken off with all these different things. So you've built a great community with your friends, man. I'm, I'm well. I don't. I don't. I don't want to take t- much with credit for that, but but uh, the culture at Spaceland when it comes to uh, moving jumps is is uh, just about second to none that I've experienced. Um, uh, there's probably places like Deland where there's a is a it's a hotbed of talented angle flyers, um, and there's pretty much guaranteed to be professional angle flying leaders on most of those uh, those fun jumper loads. Um, but besides that, I mean, Spaceland, I go to different drop zones all the time, and if I'm mixed in with the regular fun jumper local crowd at that drop zone while I'm there coaching at an event. Uh, it is never near as uh, well-educated and heads-up as we are here in Houston. Um, I just, it feels really good to come home. It feels really good to come home. It feels, uh, it's, a, it's a nice feeling being in the, uh, the loading area and the kind of conversations that I can have with people that, uh, if you're just going off jump numbers, are inexperienced and they're doing the right thing. They're leading a, a tracking jump that's uh, you know small, well within their skill set to do, and that they can accurately explain to me like what their flight path is going to be. Um, you know, have the conversation where they should go in the order with me. If they don't know, they're going to ask, and if they do know, they're going to ask for you know a second opinion. Anyways, um, I'm just really I'm really proud of uh, the culture here. One thing that's been huge uh, that uh, I know that Sharon really, really liked and, and a lot of people that come to, uh, to come to Spaceland to do uh, skills camps with me um, is our flight pass sheet that you have to fill out before you get on the airplane. And I think as much as anything, that's teaching people to really think about how much of the sky they're using um, to start asking questions in terms of where they're going to fit in with other groups and uh, where they're going to be at under canopy versus other groups that may be under canopy already or still in free fall. And basically that sheet itself, um, because someone was saying the other day to me, they were kind of making a joke of that, that sheet a little bit in terms of like, well, no one's really looking. You can pretty much draw a line. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe sometimes, but the real thing about that sheet is it really promotes communication between all the groups on the airplane. And and hopefully has at least made sure the person leading the jump has looked at what the winds are. Totally. And isn't going to fly you into yeah. some shit spot. You know, it's like if you're filling out that sheet and you're making up winds or something like huh. that, then you're just, you know. But I don't think that that's happening very much. And usually, because we have wingsuiters on the plane and other moving groups, usually that sheet is promoting these different leaders on the airplane to have conversations with each other, which then in, in turn creates conversations with the other groups on the airplane because there's two tracking groups. So we need to figure out what you guys are doing and should we be in the middle of this, 
you know, should we go back to back uh, or should we put these belly groups in the middle of us? And, and it c- promotes these kind of conversations that are definitely higher level thinking when it comes to movement jumps. And it's something that at the point we're at in this sport, especially on, on drop zones of this size here at Spaceland, um, where you consistently have one to two planes going, um, we need to be having these conversations. Like this needs to be part of the, the lexicon for everybody is these basic uh, basic fundamental um, understanding of movement jumps and how much of the sky we're using and what to look out for. And it needs to be spread throughout. And uh, I'm really proud of the steps Spaceland has taken to, to build that culture. Man, I really, I, it's, to hear you say those things about the, the angle sheet really means a lot. I was part of the group who came up with that, and it was not my idea. I was just the guy who actually could talk to everybody and write it down. So I was a collector of facts, that is all. Uh, Jay Vienendahl was a big help with that. We talked to Fly for Life about it. We talked to Elsinore, to Par- uh, not to Elsinore, uh, Eloy, mm-hmm. to Paris. Um, a lot of people got involved in this conversation. Um, I probably bounced off of you at some point, and my biggest goal when I looked at something like that was accountability. Not accountability of me holding anybody accountable or Steve or Space Lantern. The fuck that. You look at this sheet and you start thinking about what do I do? What don't I do? And I look around at the kids who are flying around us. I Nick and I are both very big in the plane about not assuming you don't know what you're doing and just going to look at you go, you're giving me five seconds. Like, that's bullshit. I turn around to somebody. I see you do it all the time. You ask a new jumper, what's your plan? And... For years, I was ready for something stupid, and I'd be like, cool, hey, man, check it out. This is what you should probably do, and this is why. Let me help you out. And today, if I'm in the plane and I ask some new jumper sitting right behind me, what's your plan? Oh, I'm going to give you this many sex. Dude, perfect, man. Why that long? Dude, money, man. Have a good jump. The accountability of the culture at this drop zone, man. I, I, I t- Yeah, I remember when the sheet came out, it man. felt a little bit like, it was supposed to, a lot of people interpreted it as it was supposed to limit who could lead ankle jumps, which in, in part it does. Mm-hmm. But I think more than that, now that we've had a chance to see it implemented for quite a while, really it just raises the accountability yeah. and just shared responsibility of uh, the whole plane, but uh, particularly the people that are, are willing to lead these jumps and put their names down on the sheet on every load. Um because then it's going to create communication, and within those communications, there people are going to start sharing information. Because I can't tell you how many times I've come across uh, uh, somebody leading a, a tracking jump, and and we have to discuss the flight pass, and they give me a flight path that I am uncomfortable with, or I disagree with, or maybe I think there's a better way to doing it uh, with that size group and these conditions, and we get to have those conversations and. You have enough of those conversations and then that person kind of has that conversation like, hey, I don't, you know, I don't really think we should do a 270 on this because whatever. And maybe that's something they took from me who took that from somebody else. And now we're just we're creating this culture of like these kind of conversations are no longer um, super high level. They're just kind of fundamental understanding of these type of jumps, which are now super popular. So we need to popularize that uh, education as well so just in the uh in the same vein of uh, asking asking questions what if you're uh, if you're following someone on a jump mm-hmm. so so and so is leading an angle jump they want you to come with what what are you going to ask that leader to see if they have a if they've made a plan 
Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to ask them what jump run is, what the wins are. Um, I want to know who else is on the jump. I want to know what kind of jump we're planning on doing, which I'm sure he's. they're telling you at this point, right, as a leader. Um, I, you know, you're going to know a lot of people, so you're going to have some idea of, like, okay, what are their jump numbers? Have they led here before? Mm-hmm. Um have you been on a jump with them before? Is was your last jump on the on a jump where they were you were on a three way and it went like it was a pretty simple, almost straight line kind of jump, and now you're doing a ten way? You know, is, is that a red flag for you that maybe this person uh, is is a little bit outside of their uh, um, their their actual abilities? Um, but those are kind of questions that you can start asking for yourself. What are the wins like? What's your flight path? What's jump run doing? Where are we going at uh, in the plane? What order? Um, these are all basic questions that if you don't get an answer right away from the leader, um, not trying to grill them, but like it should be, uh, it should kind of roll off their uh, their tongue. It should be obvious that they've thought pretty, about it. Right? If you're pretty deep into the uh, the briefing for sure, um, that's definitely something to look for. I wonder how tired you are of talking about angle flying. I love it, man. Do you? Okay. No, I, I, I just it. imagine in the last couple of years that you know it's probably the majority of your of your of your jumps in the last couple of years, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. So I just wondered if. Uh, no, I love it. I love uh, watching it evolve right now. I love being a, a part of it. Um, You're a pioneer. A, I mean, as far as the the beginning of this, think about 15, 20, 30 years down the road. This is early days of the big movement. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're we're seeing a lot of what we're doing already, which is now. Uh, very talented body flyers putting wingsuits on and doing very similar things, but just in, you know, these <laughs> high powered suits. Right. Um, so we're still, we're still doing it with our bodies, which I still think there is so much to learn in that area. And I think there's a lot of freedom there to be said as well. Um, that other disciplines don't have, but I, I agree with you completely. I think we are, com- we're evolving our understanding of this entire discipline right now of how groups can fly together, of how we can, uh, we can imagine big, creative, three-dimensional lines being flown in the sky, and and how to uh, how to capture that on film, like Nick does, and and how to um, how to find a, a a flow with your friends. And and for me, it feels like uh, I love watching Blue Angel videos. Love watching you know fighter jets flying yeah, I mean, like formation. The, yeah, fuck man, you know, that's I so just, cool. I, yeah, and I, it, to me, it's that's what we're doing with our bodies. You mm-hmm. know, maybe we don't have the ability to go up, but it, if you, it's all relative, right? Like it, it relatively speaking, I, I feel like I'm going up when I'm stalling and things like that. You know, I can feel the, the change of wind pressure. I can relative to the people I'm flying, I can feel myself climbing. You know, uh, I love it. Uh, I really, I really, really love it. And then. The educator aspect of it has been fantastic. It's been a huge um, uh, step in a in a new direction for me. In terms of, I've always loved coaching. Um, it's it's what got me really really uh, excited about tunnel flying uh, back in the day, and then and then skydiving. Um, but the coaching aspect of it is really allowing me to explore how much of this thing do I really know and how much do I not know? Because I, the coaching is coaching and teaching is the highest form of learning. If you can articulate the, the skill set that you uh, feel that you've achieved. And so I really love talking about angle flying because I, I'm, I get to learn more about it through my own explanation of it to other people. 
And uh, it just seems like for me right now, I'm not plateauing at all in terms of uh, my interest for it and how much we can actually understand about what's going on up there. So that being said, what's your what's your favorite skydive right now? Like if you were going to be on your your you want to do the thing that you're going to have the most fun doing? I mean, if it's for me, if it's for me personally, uh it's it's not necessarily group flying, it's more two ways. Um God, really, I love a two way. Really intimate skydives. Um that's definitely like that's with definitely dude, where my heart is. Like with dudes kissing or Um <laughs> 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 uh, Oh, you meant just like for having fun with your friends. Yeah, yeah. sorry. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> what? Dude, there I made a gay joke to you the other day and you didn't get nearly as uncomfortable as you used to. I don't remember what it was. We're breaking them down. Dude, it's 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 slowly happening. It's something about putting balls in somebody's face or something. I don't remember. Yeah, uh-huh. But you seemed um, you seemed far too comfortable with it. I was shocked. Right. And that <laughs> that kind of segues off to another another topic. Man, Does it? A little bit. I don't want it to. Well, it it's going to. But man, I've seen you grow a whole lot as a as a person, I feel like, in the in the last couple of years. Well, thank you. I think uh I think travel has done you well, my friend. I would agree. I'm curious to know in what areas you, you feel that. Well, but I mean, I, I also agree. I've noticed a big difference in the way that you talk to people, mm. in the way that you get your group ready for a jump, and the way that you get your group ready for the day. And uh, you just seem a lot more aware of others and aware of, uh, or at least open to, to new things. Like, yeah. uh, and I'm I'm betting that Alethea has had a pretty good influence with with the way that you structured some of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, it, in in all of those areas, but particularly when you just said uh, how you um, how you uh, begin the day with a group, that's uh, that's something that I've totally taken a lot from from her and um, how you approach the day and set an intention with a group at the beginning of the day is has been a uh, probably one of my biggest growths in terms of my coaching uh, priorities um, is getting with a group and and getting to know them and letting them getting to know me and also really finding a collective uh, goal and you know passion um, so that you can uh, you can really set an intention early in the day of what direction we're all going and seeing each other as you know, not just individuals, but uh, group flyers as well, and really getting that sense of, um, yeah, understanding everybody's unique energy they're bringing to the table when you get a group, and not just, uh, I think in the past for me, I probably um, took too much of that onto myself in terms of like setting the energy and and uh, the direction of the day and things like that, and maybe feeling like I had to do it in an alpha kind of way. Um, not necessarily aggressive, but just in a like, you know, I need to be the one uh, that's pushing this this day forward in a certain direction or keeping it on track and things like that. But I've really, I've really gained a lot from coaching with her and seeing how she brings a group to get, uh, together, particularly early in the day, because it's, uh, it really sets the tone early. And when a day starts with a group really feeling like a group, um, their ability to be open and, and soak in new knowledge and, and try new things and feel comfortable with uh, you, but also feel comfortable with all these other people that they maybe 
don't jump with on a regular basis um, really increases. And that's been a valuable, valuable part of the coaching. So how much do you invite the participants to to take part in that conversation in the morning? Like, do you have people like say, say something about yourself, about your experience level? Do you do anything like that? No, I try and be more organic than that. I, I think uh, I've seen some coaches do it that way. I've been coached like that. Mm-hmm. Particularly, I don't, I don't necessarily... It's not when I open up the most as an individual myself anyways is when I am put in that situation to to answer those sort of questions. But it's, it is more it's just kind of fi- finding out, uh, you know, things that I need to know as a leader anyways, right? Uh, finding out their experience level, um, what they feel their capabilities are, goals, you know, that's going to help determine what direction we want to go with a day and things like that. Or maybe I have my own sense of like what they want to, what they should be working on today. And I get to share that with them and why it's important. Um, but just that ability to really create that open dialogue with people and, and break down any sense of like, uh, yes, maybe I'm the teacher in this situation or maybe some people just want to have fun, you know, and they're not super comfortable with anyone being in that role, you know, the anti-authoritarian or something comes out in them, the contrarian when they're being coached. And you get to kind of like feel that sort of uh, energy out between people. And when you got, you know, on average six people in front of you when you're doing a skills camp, that's a lot of people to, to try and pick up something individually from. But if you just take the time, you know, be still for a minute and like let everybody either express themselves or not. You can pick up a lot on the best ways of communicating with, with people because not everybody's going to respond to me the same way that they're going to respond to, uh, Alethea or, uh, you know, Luis or whoever, you know, they're going to, they're going to respond to them in different ways and different things are going to make them, uh, you know, uh, a better communicator for that particular person. So I'm trying to feel out the group as much as possible as a whole and find out what uh, what way of talking, what way of uh, approaching different subjects, whether it be you know a proper way of doing something, or maybe they've made a mistake, and and how do I handle that? You know, um, all that can be set into motion early in the day. So I've definitely uh, I've learned a lot about that this year. You you mentioned uh, meditation to me when you when you came in. Mm. <laughs> now that there's that grid of let's not go down that road. <laughs> No, I, I just uh, that that I word. Find, means, I, I imagine there's a few people out there that are probably, um, yeah, DJ's <laughs> grinning about it. Like, I'm grinning at your uneasiness. What you go on, a spirit quest here? Or what? <laughs> no, no. So I'm fine with the idea of me doing it. You do it, but it's just how uneasy you get sometimes. Yeah, I just uh, that's, it, that's that's I just know that, that Texas boy comes out yeah, real fast. Yeah, I know the I know the <laughs> a shy awkward fella. I know the the caricature that uh, <laughs> no but i mean probably... and, but i think that that's what intrigues me the most about it is it seems like that's something that might be a little out of character for for you for people that maybe people that don't know you very well because it doesn't seem like a when you think about all american things that you embody mm. meditation might not be on the on the list yeah. if someone's just being assumptive but it's definitely genuine man it's a genuine but, pursuit for but me right i mean now. i think meditation might mean a lot of different things to to different different people absolutely so when you say meditation what do you mean uh mindfulness Paying attention. Um, like describe a, your process. Like, are, do you dedicate a space, a certain amount of time? Is there a certain time of the day, or is it just a, a mental place? What, what do you mean? Uh, I've been doing a lot of guided meditations with. Uh, there's a guy that I'm really, really into. His name's Sam Harris, and he has an app called uh, Waking Up. I was just told about this. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. He's They're, a great author, man. I really like him yeah, a whole lot. Unbelievable author. Um, his book Waking Up did a lot for me. 
a couple of years ago and I've gone back to it a few times since. And he has this fantastic app uh, for guided meditations. And it also has theory uh, conversations on there. And um, it's just really interesting. It's uh, it's very not woo-woo uh, for anybody, you know, potentially interested in it, but a little bit weirded out by the hippie connotation yeah, the, the mystical of it. You know, he, magical parts yeah, yeah this this he is very much he's a neuroscientist uh so with a lot of experience in uh in meditation and you know spiritual practices and things like that but he's very much uh approaching it from a a uh i don't want to say secular worldview but but um but he's a not woo a, a pretty open atheist yeah, yeah exactly of course so um it's it's a fantastic app I hope uh, I hope that even one person checks it out for be the one. Yeah. Download that shit right now. Yeah. So a- answer me some questions, and I'm I'm dead serious about this. For me, meditation is something that I've always believed in, but never practiced. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found in the last oh my god, several years of my life, I, I'd say several five, six, seven, I've uh, found a place where I can sit there, close my eyes, focus on my breathing, and go away. Um, I'm not as far or as good at doing that as I want. Um, and I really enjoy that. And I really, uh, I was getting a massage the other day, getting some shit worked out. And my therapist told me about Sam Harris. You should, and I couldn't remember his name cause I was in the middle of a fucking massage. She's telling me all this great information. I'm drooling on her fucking shoes. <laughs> um, and so I'm super interested. A, how much does this app cost? It has a yearly uh, subscription, but it uh, he also works on a sliding scale. So, for instance, if you're a a truly broke skydiver that can't afford the app, so you can actually send him an email, and he will provide the app to you for free. And when you start making enough money in your life that you can pay for the app, you can go back to him and begin paying part of the subscription or all of the, su- the subscription. So, um, he's very. It's very, very progressive in that sense. A very, very, very uh, interesting way of doing it. But much like some psy- psychiatrists and things like that would have a sliding scale for their patients, so does he. So it's a, it's a cool way of doing it. Very, so it makes it more accessible to more people and really proves the point mm-hmm. of the fact that he's, you know, he's trying to share this, uh, this, this interesting way of self-examination. And he has sessions... On the app, like yeah, there's daily meditations. There's an introductory course uh, you go through at the beginning um, that uh, I guess you could skip past, but I would highly recommend it. it. Teaches you even if you're experienced in it, it's gonna it's gonna teach you just a lot about some of the uh, the fundamentals and also where he's coming from uh, because it is a guided meditation, so it may be different than other meditations you've done with an emphasis on on different uh, different ways of self-examination or, you know, um, yeah, you know, techniques in terms of what you're thinking about and controlling your breathing and maybe different than what you've experienced or not experienced ever. So it takes a few of these introductory courses to really, you know, get comfortable with, uh, having someone periodically talk to you as well throughout the meditation. So I'm, I'm sorry. I'm juggling some of the information in front of me about his site totally. right now. Um, how long did you say how long a lot of these are? Uh, most of the introductory courses start at like 10 minutes. Okay. It's like a 10 minute uh, session. And then as you go past that, you have options of going into, you know, 20 minute sessions or, or 30, 60, you know, going beyond that. But, uh, some of them are going to be guided. Some of them aren't. Uh, but the app itself is just basically a wealth of (laughs) information. If you're interested on this, this subject, this, uh, 
practice of self-examination. And I want to kind of go back. I think Nick started with uh, this question. Wait a minute, I got to push buttons here. Um, and what space are you using? Are you doing this anywhere, everywhere? Are you doing it specifically? My places? personal practice? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm doing it very much anywhere. Um, I try and do it outside. I try and do it. In, but it, to me, it's uh, it's more about just the practice of setting the time aside for it on a daily basis in and of itself is uh, such a such a good thing for yourself, you know, to put time aside, to work on your, your state of being, your mind, your, your, uh, your entire experience, setting some time aside to observe that. And, um, that in and of itself, whether you're doing it in your be- bedroom or, you know, I, I went and walked around Brazos Bend state park today and, and just took two, 10 minutes, you know, and it was great. And, uh, for me, the big correlation has been, I'm willing to spend all this time working out my entire life and exercising, but I'm not spending time training my brain, which is the only way I ever will experience anything, you know, is, is my interpretation of this entire experience we call life. So we're doing brain squats. Yeah. That's meditation. Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) not willing to put any time into that, but I, you know, if I miss the gym one day, then I'm, I'm pissed off at myself, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think when I kind of started to see it as that, and then, I'm a, I'm influenced by a lot of really cool people in my life too. Nick, you have influenced me greatly in these kind of I'm areas. Sorry, and uh, <laughs> and a lot of my skydiving mentors as well. We all have very similar uh, approaches to you know self examination, and even if they go more of a maybe a, a spiritual way, we'll call it that. May uh, I, I still take a lot from that, and I see the benefits for my myself, my own life. And then I'm also seeing the benefits for my work as well. You know, being less reactive when I'm working in a, you know, stressful environment sometimes, be it the, the, the pressure of just doing a good job I put on myself or the people paying me or just the fact that, I don't know, we're jumping out of airplanes, you know, and then also assuming responsibility for other people that are chasing me out of an airplane. Um, handling that better and i'm starting to see that it's not the number one motivator i have for this new passion of mine but it is a it's a beautiful byproduct of it that um as i kind of start to understand my mind a little bit more quiet that monkey brain down a little bit uh it seems like my flying is also really improving so um yeah i'm jumping all in right now do you uh, do you visualize your flying also in, in, in these same moments? Um, I don't generally use it for that. I'll, I use it mostly when uh, I do that separately. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'll do that visualization separately. Um, these sort of guided meditations that I really enjoy. Oh, yeah, sorry, are, are I, I more, keep forgetting that, that it's yeah, a guided meditation. Yeah, they're more they're more focused on just kind of like your your overall um, uh, experience uh, with consciousness, if you will, and, mm-hmm. and examining that. Um, but I do a lot of visualization, um, and I'm really promoting it a lot to, uh, um, to my students and people that I fly with as let's be real here, you know, on a busy day, we're getting, you know, only a few minutes of free fall time to actually practice any of these skills. And if you're not putting the time in outside of the element of flying, then how can you expect to really be improving? And, 
the meditation has helped me with that. It definitely helps calm me enough to like really put myself in a place. But I've also been working separately on visualization techniques that are super helpful and incorporating them onto every skydive too. It's definitely become a part of my ride up to altitude every time as well. And I'm finding some things that work the best for me. I see that look on your face Mm. and I see you, you're not quite going like full four way belly flyer, right? but I see you moving through, uh, I can tell you that you're moving through the the jump. Yeah. Sometimes it's through the jump and sometimes it's, it's just, uh, it's always through the jump to a certain point when I close my eyes Mm -hmm. on the airplane, but then it also a lot becomes of just being really present as well and understanding what we're doing on every skydive, whether it's with a super experienced uh, group that I'm going to get to shred with, or it's, you know, uh, one-on-one with a, you know, a beginner trying to be present enough to, to realize that like I'm entering this completely different uh, element uh, in the sky. And I want to feel like I'm switched on all the time, not just for safety and avoiding complacency, um, which is the most important I know, but I'm super performance driven. So for me, it feels like if I can put even just a little bit of extra pressure or some sort of like uh, stress inoculation practice on myself and treat every single skydive like I'm competing or I've got a super sick video project and we got some sponsors to pay for us and these jumps are all paid for and we're got I want to make the you know next level flying video. I put that pressure on myself like every single skydive, even if it's just this, the uh, the most basic angle. I try and put a little bit of that on myself so that when those moments come up, and I have gotten a lot of cool moments the past I've year practiced to, this. to fly in front of you know people that uh, I want to fly really well in front of, um, I've practiced this. Yeah, it's uh, it's I'm, I'm I'm training in that way. You know, mm. I'm not going to let myself get to a an event or a moment where I really, really want to perform and then blame it on the fact that, yeah, I've been jumping a lot, a lot the past few months or year, but I haven't really done one of these jumps that counted in a long time. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to blame that. I want to... You um, want to bring the pressure. I want to feel like I'm ready. Make make friends with that time. feeling, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I want to I talk about meditation for just one more minute just because I, I feel like you five years ago may have felt a certain kind of way about the word meditation. That's prob- well, you would have fair. mocked, I think. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, always uh, been really... There's some stigma around that word, right? Th- th- there's it's some the implications. Stigma. Absolutely. I think that that's what it would be because I've always actually been super introspective. Um, I have spent a lot, a lot of time um, thinking about the way I think and being uh, a little bit confused and... and um, <laughs> thinking uh, about the way I think that like that's a level of depth that I don't think a lot of people get to like they don't get to realize or they don't get to disassemble the inside of their brain that same way to even acknowledge that you probably think about the world differently than I think about the world and me today probably thinks about the world different than I did five years ago yeah yeah I mean it's for as long as I can remember even as a kid I had I had some I had th- thoughts that um made me really question like what is this experience we're having <laughs> you know like what and a lot of that uh was uh you know channeled through my uh love of the natural world mm-hmm. you know and just being super excited being outside and things like that um and i definitely think that 5 years ago let's go back 5 years i think that somewhere along the way 
I was starting to really be super controlled by the um, more competitive forces in my life and, uh, you know, certain focuses. And I kind of let the the chatter in my head um, kind of define who I was, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever that was in the moment, whatever that voice was, was who I actually, um, who I actually was and how the experience you know, felt for me. And now I'm starting to see the power and the benefit of, um, how to observe every experience I'm having, um, perhaps in a different way. And it's been really, really helpful being around people like you. Um, because what do you mean by people like me, people like you that, uh, are very, 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 very thoughtful people who are assholes on because tattooed people, because all I have to do a lot of times is think, uh, Am I talking to myself the way I'd be talking to Nick mm-hmm. if he if he had this sort of subject going through his head? And that question alone can really reinterpret the way you're That's looking really at good a situation, advice, yeah. you know. And then I just got to be honest. Like I've had a lot of cool shit happen to me over the past few years, and I'm super grateful. And there, you know, for a while I interpreted that as a lot of stress and pressure to live up to it, you know had a lot of stress to like be you know be grateful and be worthy of these these things that I've wanted for you know a long time that I kind of can't believe they're coming true and I, I didn't interpret that as moments to celebrate or to to use to give myself confidence so it was more just like pressure to do better and do better and uh, definitely over the last year or two I've, I've been able to uh, take a step back and enjoy it. Firstly, but then also, you know, just see it in a different light because that's not how I would feel if you were doing the things that, uh, you know, uh, I'm doing that you always wanted to do. I'd be super happy for you and I would uh, I would I would interpret it in a different way than maybe my mind was uh, was doing a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. So it's helped me in a it's helped me in a lot, a lot of different aspects. So do you think that there is a way? that you could describe what meditation is to text five years ago and make any sort of progress in that conversation? Sure, yeah. What, what I, yeah. would you tell that guy about just, what you're doing? Just being like, I was, I was just, I was super reactive, super reactive to everything, you know? And it was always like, I was a one-upper, you know? It was like, if uh, the situation demanded, like, I'd be uh, alpha or aggressive, then I'm going to be 10 times more alpha and aggressive than I need to be, you know? If I need to be whatever. Um, and I, but I felt ruled by that. You know, felt ruled by that uh, kind of like up and down kind of feeling. Like someone so, who's a, a victim of their emotions. Yeah, exactly. So because, I mean, sometimes it'd really work in my favor and then sometimes it wouldn't. And so um, I think it would be easy for me to explain, actually. I think I've always been open to it. I, I, I think the stigma of the word would uh, w- would be a funny yeah, reaction. get out of here, you fucking hippie. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, but I think, yeah, this this ability to control myself, uh, you know, on on a lot of different personality levels, um, would uh, would have really clicked with me for sure. But but understanding that there's a there's a process to to get there, and not just this kind of endless stream of, well, something good happens and you see it this way, and then something bad happens and you see it this way, and it makes you feel this way, and you just kind of like are a little bit along for the ride for that, and you're thinking that that's defining you, which in fact, like, what's defining you is your your reaction to it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it would have, I think it would have taken it well, actually. I think it just would have been a funny conversation for sure. So in, in all of your travels in the last couple of years, has, have there been any moments that have really humbled you? Um, 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I can remember the first time I went to Europe. Um, that was super humbling for me because um, in my head, I'm I'm just a small town kid from Texas, you know, and it blows my mind that I'm even a skydiver. And then it really blows my mind that people pay me to skydive. And then it blows my mind that I get to travel to do it. And I get to meet all these like super interesting people that I otherwise would never come across. And, um, but in my head, I'm still that small town kid, you know? And, uh, the first time I got to Europe to organize in skydiving, um, was just such a trip to me. And it was, uh, after my buddy Ryan passed away, um, and he was the one who really got me there in the first place. He was through his recommendations and, uh, his connections. He really promoted me big time. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm getting paid to, to be in Europe. And it just so happens that it's at this place, um, on the Island of Tessel that is just beautiful. And I obsessed over for the longest time. I watched, uh, I watched a video called strings attached for a long, long time. And, had this Zeppelin uh, soundtrack to it and just looked unreal. And, and it was shot by, uh, uh, well, Heffy put the video together and then it was like Gustavo Cabana. And like, I, I just obsessed over this video and the, and, um, I was there. That was my first, uh, skydiving gig in Europe. I had done some tunnel stuff, which was cool, but like something about being there in the sky. And I remember driving to the drop zone that morning and looking over at Gustavo sitting beside me who I've just met and I've looked up to this guy and watched every one of his videos ever. You know, I've been on jumps with him at fly for life, but, but never, you know, never worked with him and we're driving to the drop zone and I'm just recognizing everything in the video as if I've already been there before. And it was this feeling of like, well, this is an interesting uh, turn of events for my life here. And Cause I still felt like that small town kid, but then I'm sitting in this van with Oscar and all these people that I just, Tim and all these coaches that I like super, super respect. And, um, that was a big moment for me. That was definitely a big moment. And, uh, the first time I coached with fly for life was huge. When I coached at flight camp, that was another, um, just massive moment for me. I've had a lot, man. I've had a lot of moments that, uh, frankly blow me away and make me feel super grateful. And, uh, but there's also been some tough moments too that have precipitated that in the past two years with Ryan passing and, uh, and, uh, my mom passing away. It definitely gave me a sense of urgency to, at first it was to get a bunch of shit done, to do a bunch of cool stuff and really honor just being alive. And then it became, uh, an urgency to, um, reinterpret it and be a little bit more grateful for all of it. And I think that's kind of where I'm at right now. And, uh, it's helping, it's helping. It's, it's bringing back my focus. Um, it's bringing back uh, my creativity and skydiving as well. Um, so it's, it's to me, it's just, uh, it seems like a natural progression for me. It really, it really does because I don't want to, I don't want to jump the shark. I don't want to (laughs) get passed up in the sport, you know, like I really, Mm. you know, I, I, Maybe I do still have that sense of ego because I'm still competitive, but I'm hungry to learn and I'm hungry to get better. I feel like I'm just 
touching the the surface of like what kind of flyer I can be, what flying can even feel like to me too. Now that I'm like, I've got this much experience. Um, not that it's a ton, but I have a certain level of experience that I certainly didn't have even a year or two ago that like even flying starting to feel different to me. You know, like what I think of as lines in the sky, what I, what I like, what feels good to me um, is totally changing. You know, the style of coaching that I have, the style of jumps I like to organize, all of that's changing and it's changing pretty drastically, but it's great because it's it needed to, you know, um, it, it, I don't, I don't want to plateau or I don't want to just be stagnant. So, um, this different way of thinking in my, you know, maybe personal life is definitely transferring into my professional life as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Have, have you caught yourself having the thought of like, man, I'm, I'm stalling out, man, I'm becoming stagnant. Totally. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I sit down with my organizer notebook and things like that and try and come up with jump ideas and things. And you find that writer's block and you're like, what the hell? Like I'm jumping all the time. I'm flying all the time. How can I possibly have writer's block? And, uh, that freaks me out. That feeling freaks me out and it keeps me motivated to not get stagnant because I, I, I don't like that at all. And, um, you know, this definitely isn't what drives me, but it's just a realization you have to uh, come to terms with. Like, it's a pretty ridiculous thing we get to do or we get to do for a Mm -hmm. living, but especially like coaching and traveling. So it it ain't always going to be there, you know? So unless you're pushing, um, then you're going to get passed up really quick. You're either going to get passed up in skills or, uh, knowledge or, um, yeah, whatever. Re- uh, reputation. like I, So I, I want to be on the, the front foot all the time and not just in the sky. You know, I'm super excited about the, the leading course. I'm super excited about expanding my, uh, my own toolbox of coaching abilities and flying abilities. And, you know, I want to start shooting camera. And uh, uh, Lethe and I just put out a new event today. Um, oh, I saw that. Yeah. We came up with a kind of a new concept. What's for the, the shift? It's called shift. So it's a little bit of a spinoff of her um, super successful LSD camps. Um, we started doing a uh, LSD get sideways angle camp. Together. LSD standing for level slot doc for yeah. anyone who thinks we're talking about drugs. Yeah. And, um, and then uh, we came up with this new concept, um, which I'm super excited about where it's going to be just a little bit more of an immersive skill camp experience, you know, beyond just jumping. So beyond just showing up and meeting your coach and, and doing the jumps, we, uh, we like to train in a certain way that is, you know, everything from the way we show up to the way we set intentions for the day to the way we warm up and walk the jumps and, and things like that. Um, and we know that there are people out there that feel the same. So we just wanted to offer a skills camp that is going to include more of these, you know, you can call them supplemental aspects of uh, your physical and mental preparation for the, the skydiving. Um, so we'll definitely be jumping, but then it'll also include, she's going to be leading, you know, yoga stretching and uh, she's amazing at guided meditation things. Um, so she'll be doing guided meditation and that'll, that will help with discussions on visualization and I'll probably be doing some uh, theory seminar type stuff on the different disciplines we're working on that day. And we may be working on things as a, as two separate groups or one big group. And we may focus more on a movement, movement jumps one day. And then maybe we combine movement and vertical in another day. And, 
um, giving everyone individual feedback, uh, sort of evaluations, you know, of things that uh, they can use to, to continue working on when they leave the camp as well, so that it doesn't just, it's not just high fives and a beer, and, but gives them something to, to go back to and uh, use for their, their progression going forward and give them just a, you know, not just uh, the physical experience of skydiving, but kind of uh, training in the mental areas as well. So just, just a full immersive uh, sort of skills camp. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think it's going to go really well. We're, we're really excited. We're kicking around all sorts of different formats for, uh, for those three days. And we're going to try and mix it up a little bit, be, think a little bit outside the box and do things, um, differently than, than just the, the sort of skill camps that we've been participating in and even coaching over the past few years. Do you have just one of these planned right now or are you right now we have one planned, um, I'm sure that we will want to do uh, do them in the future. This is to me, it's it's a it's a great concept and it fits perfectly with um, our thinking and our approach to training. Mm-hmm. So we're more or less just kind of sharing the way we approach like uh, a training day with uh, with our students as well, um, and then getting to do it in a group setting. So mm-hmm. I'm sure the learning curve for us is going to be steep as well. In terms of what works, you know, time management throughout the day with all these different uh, these different sessions we want to be having besides just the skydiving. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this new concept. Hopefully, uh, will catch on and really appeal to people that want to um, have more than just the uh, just the skydiving experience. You need someone to shoot video? I know a guy. Yeah, damn right, man. <laughs> Come on with it. Hey, uh, the first time you were on the show, you had a really good story about uh-huh. uh, shitting in the in the drug test toilet. Yeah. And I didn't prompt you to tell that story at all whatsoever. And I just wondered if there's any really great stories that have happened in the last year of something that you think the world needs to know about. Oh man. I guess I guess I could have warned you about this, but yeah, uh, yeah. This, this just came to mind while you were while you were talking of like, man, homeboy's got some funny stories. I wondered if. Uh, Matt, Has anything get, terribly embarrassing happened to you in the last year? I mean, <sighs> catching babies you know or what? anything? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. did we talk? Have we ever talked about that? Yeah, about your viral surely. video sensation? Surely. Yeah. Really. All right. Well, let's not go back into that. One thing. of his episodes was titled the the second one, "The Baby Catching Machine Is Back." <laughs> oh, okay. So for sure, yeah, we went through yeah, that. Fair enough. Well, I don't know. Like today was pretty. Uh, I felt like an idiot today. <laughs> All right, let's hear that. Uh, went over to uh, s- uh, the state park that shall remain unnamed in case these people decide decide to file charges or something. But uh, I was. Um, it's not walking the ar- same one that you said earlier, is oh, it? Shit. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry, there are multiple state yeah, parks. Yeah, I was it hitting them all up today. One. Yeah, um, tour of Texas. <laughs> yeah, um, I was walking and came across. A big ass alligator. I mean, this thing was at least six feet, and it was. I posted some photos of it. It was. Uh, it was intimidating for sure. And I've seen a few out there, and it was. It was maybe one of the bigger ones that uh, I've come across. And it was not quite on the trail, but definitely way too close for comfort to be walking around. Uh, pretty confident I, I was going to be able to outrun it, but definitely. Uh, it's it's uh those things move fast man, man. especially if they move and you're I'll not expecting you, it man, Holy well, shit. i mean i was i was expecting it i walked up on this thing you could see it from a mile sitting in the grass but uh it you, was, you throw i would have thrown a rock at it man it was a it was a real moment of like 
you know, this this thing is a dinosaur. Like, keep in mind, this thing has been an apex predator for uh, for as long <laughs> yeah, as humans have been around years. and longer. Yeah, so um, I know that this thing really uh, isn't isn't too intimidated by me. And uh, I end up walking around it, but it definitely, like, man, it got my blood pressure up, right? So I was like, woo! And I was just kind of having a moment myself, like, that was kind of a funny little uh, out-of-nowhere, you know, challenge to myself of like uh you know feeling that adrenaline spike and walking past this thing and looking at this just dead-eyed killer in the uh in the eyes and walk past it and so i rounded the corner a few feet past uh you know walked another 100 150 feet out of sight from the gator and just was like man that was crazy and kind of like patting myself on the back like man that was pretty cool because i was just walking around out there by myself so i just stood there I and manned I, the shit yeah out of i'm just like situation. yeah exactly i'm like man <laughs> Uh, that's pretty uh, that's man shit right there and so i unzip my pants and i go to start taking a piss on the tree and i start peeing and then i realized i haven't looked around <laughs> but i haven't seen anybody out there all day either so i'm kind of i have this sense that i'm just out there by myself and so i just <laughs> start peeing on this tree and for some reason something made me just look up and look over my shoulder and well, well there's a couple just walking going on a nice little afternoon stroll here at the park and they're coming around the corner and the guy just throws his hands up and just like <laughs> what the fuck yeah man, he just gives me a what the fuck and then he, he kind of laughs and i kind of you know i turn away and i'm like oh shit and i can't walk back to where their alligators at because then i <laughs> now i gotta redo the whole the whole experience like <laughs> yeah he's probably gonna be less excited about you yeah exactly on but him. then also now i gotta walk past these two and just be like <laughs> sorry sorry about that y'all <clears throat> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that was uh yeah whoops one moment of just like looking my mortality in the eyes walking past this thing and then the next uh wanted to just uh, i'm a man yeah, and i'm <laughs> still kind of an idiot <laughs> dig a hole <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. So uh, you're in Houston for how long? Another month. Yeah, till till March 6th. I go to California after that. How does it feel to be uh, settled down for a month? Man, it's pretty good. I'll be honest, the past few times I've come back uh, home, it's not that I don't enjoy it here. Um, it's just, it's been, it was a whirlwind of experiences. Definitely there was nothing routine about my life. And then also missing the girl, you know, frankly. Um, when I would come back home, so it made it tough, uh, coming back. Cause it was this funny sense of like, man, I haven't had like a routine routine in a long time, but this time coming back has been really nice. I was really looking forward to it. Um, we had a camp this past weekend that went really well, felt like the kickoff of the year. We got super lucky with the weather on a couple of the days and, um, yeah, I'm actually really enjoying it. It's a super flexible schedule. I'm picking up coaching with people at the drop zone and at the tunnel um, as they hit me up. So it's kind of been going on a day-to-day basis, and it's just super nice. And what a <laughs> what a lifestyle to have, you know? Like, uh, that was one thing that I, I spent some time really feeling grateful for today is this realization of, like, what a funny way of living you know what a decadent way of like i just thought like i'm a living like a greek philosopher here just spending all day thinking about shit you know <laughs> like but essentially that's what i that's what we get to do as like skydiving coaches you know it's it's super cool like when you're busy you're busy as hell but when you're not you know on a 
Thursday, I can go to the state park and walk around and, and just show your dick to strangers. Just think, <laughs> just think about <laughs> shit, you know, like, like what a, what a cool, uh, what a cool avenue for me. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, you've, you've earned every bit of it. I've seen how, I mean, I, don't I know, about know that, but man, I know how hard you work. I know how, how driven you are. I mean, there's a reason that this sort of situation doesn't develop for everyone who thinks they want to be a professional skydiver, you know, so. Mm. I uh, I want to get back to that statement in a second, and I really, man, you've, you've grown tremendously as a human being. Uh, you, Where are you going? I kind of want to share your upcoming schedule and what's going on event-wise with you for a second. Cool. Yeah, over the next couple of months, uh, get back on the road in March, um, doing a really cool um, event called Fly Fly. Which a lot of people will be familiar with, but it's they've revamped flash, it. Flash. <laughs> they've, <laughs> they've revamped it this year, um, so it has a lot of new concepts to it. It's going to be a lot more immersive, much like I was talking about earlier. They're going to have uh, different courses that you can choose from. It's three weeks, and uh, that'll be in California, and uh, people can find it on uh, Facebook, of course. It's going to be really, really interesting. Top coaches there. Very, very uh, one-on-one sort of uh, situations. Lots of uh, theory and seminar and just a really a cool, immersive um, uh, event that they've put together. It's it's always a great atmosphere there at that event. I've I worked it last year and, and absolutely fell in love with it. Um, but they're really, they're, they're doing something different this time around. It's uh, really, really interesting. So I, I highly recommend everybody look into it. And then after that, I go to Florida and spend some time with the Fly for Life boys and do a couple of their camps, the warm-up and flight camp, which, I mean, to me, are just hands down the the best events. Um, so I'm super excited for that. I've already got a few things on my mind for April that, uh, that I really want to try out. And, um, yeah, I just always look forward to that. It's the best vibes. Um, feels like a family when you get back there. And the uh, the event itself, the level of flying, really feels like you're – you're able to explore things with uh, with the groups that is very very rare. I would say it that way. And then after that, we get back and uh, well, I do a leading course as well with uh, with Sharon. So I'll actually be uh, helping teach that course in Deland in April between the warm up and the flight camp. I'm super excited about this. This is this is such a, a cool new exploration for me, um, expanding my my teaching and uh, it's it's a very interesting course like i'm just absolutely captivated by it so i get to coach at that with her and then shift uh we come back in uh in april and we're gonna do uh the new concept event with uh Lethe and i can we call the first one holy shift yes all right cool you may all right <laughs> so one question one of our uh, listeners asked was what about camps for newer people like intro to tracking intro to angles what whatever is there any options for those coming up yeah we're doing an event uh we haven't put online just yet but uh the week before shift we're looking to do a lsd get sideways camp which will be um an angle camp that is primarily focused on the um, fundamental aspects of angle flying so um, it's not a super high level skill camp, um, but you definitely need to be able to feel comfortable flying in groups of, uh, six and yeah, those have been great. We really enjoyed those. We did a few of those last year and we just really hammer, hammer, hammer on the fundamentals of movement jumps. So we try not, we 
tone down maybe the super creative dive flow aspect of it and focus more on proper levels and approaches and breakoffs and um, pitch changes and things like that that are fundamental to, to what we are referring to as an angle flying. So one of those will be in April. Um, in terms of like beginner, beginner, um, that is a situation where I probably are not going to be able to do that within groups of six. So yeah. uh, I'm definitely available for coaching. And there's other coaches at the drop zone, not just myself. I think there's um, a, a young group that are up and coming right now who really could probably put task to, uh, put the task to do something like that. Totally. But I love that as well. I love uh, working with the beginners. It's not uh, that I only do a certain level or anything like that. I just uh, – people – I'm sure we'll understand that in, in, in terms of running these events, like to do one-on-ones is, is a lot different than having a whole group in terms of yeah, the, the, the person's either got to pay a considerable amount of money right. more to make it worth your time. Right. But having said that it is a valuable, you know, it is a valuable use of people's time, whether they're super interested in becoming a hardcore angle flyer or not. I think these basic tracking skills are, are just fundamental for everybody in every discipline can't tell you how many like i uh well i won't say which but i I, i've coached at several vertical camps even over the past year and i can't tell you how many times people um are super super strong static flyers but then their break off is just very you know because they don't really know how to track they don't really know how to track and there's this funny (laughs) there's this funny you know uh competition and tension between static uh, static only flyers and angle only flyers you know and it's it's really silly because it's like well if you're going to be a good static flyer you want to be good at big ways and stuff it's like well you should probably learn how to track really well too and how are you going to learn how to track you're going to do jumps where you track the whole time you know not just learning to track in the last few seconds of every skydive you know you want to be really really good at these things it's like and i hear that uh, that all the time of people, I don't like to do angle jumps or, you know, or I don't want to hold hands, you know, it's like, well, okay. But if you end up on one of those hand holding jumps, you better know how to hold still. And if you're going to only do hand holding jumps, you better learn how to track too. Cause it's going to be real embarrassing when that guy who, you know, barely made it to the formation, you guys turn around and break off the most important part of the skydive and he smokes you, you know, like be good at everything, be good at everything. So if you're trying to get into beginner or intermediate tracking, hit me up hit up one of the other coaches um, and learn the fundamental aspects of tracking. You know, what surface area you're using, what the the basic criteria for a good tracking efficient body position is. Man, I don't know if we have enough time to really let you answer this next question, but I want to give you your best shot at it. Okay. I came tonight to be entertained. I came tonight to be amused. Uh, we have a lot of fun together and this is been one of the most entertained I've been by you. Uh, I've watched you grow as a skydiver. You had how many jumps when you first showed up here? 200. Okay. Uh, you came in energetic. You came in ready to prove yourself. There's no doubt about that. Um, and the more you proved yourself, the more you proved to yourself, the more you proved yourself, the more you improved yourself. We've seen so many people skyrocket to a place where you're at and not even make it this far and turn into great people, but many of them egomaniacs fall, get satiated, real think they're the best, they're not uh, any of these things. You have become so humble, you have become so about other people, you have become so compassionate, 
And it's so cool to watch you become who you are. How the fuck did you be like stay humble? How did you bring that in? Because so many people <laughs> blow up and explode, man. So I kind of think we've bounced around this all night long. But well, he's lying to your face. You're not that good. Yeah, and you're it, a piece of shit. Nobody there likes. There you go. <laughs> There's your answer right there. Just having uh, having a good accountability group around you, and and that's that's absolutely true. You know, I, I feel lucky that the people that like me um, and care about me, like the two of y'all, and uh, and so many others that I look up to in the sport that have are still my mentors, and maybe some of them now are my colleagues and and personal friends. That these kind of people have had the patience for me as well to grow, not just professionally, but to grow as a person too, maybe in some, some ways that I probably didn't deserve the the level of patience that I got. Um, and so, I mean, frankly, I feel like it's, it's a natural for me, it's a natural progression of I've been around people that have helped keep me humble and then have helped uh, facilitate ways for me to grow and explore and, and feel comfortable in my own skin and, um, yeah, I mean, it feels fantastic coming home for that, that exact reason is I get to be around people that saw me learn how to skydive, you know, saw me with 200 jumps. And it's very, if you're, if you're somehow full of yourself, uh, around those people, then, I mean, you may be a little bit of a lost cause at that point, you know, because, uh, if you're not humbled by your, your upbringing and the people that uh, helped you out along the way, it's going to be really, really tough for you, t- tough for you to, to continue taking steps forward as well. Because I feel like looking performance-wise at like where I want to be and where I want to grow, the only way to get there is to start being more aware of all the opportunities I'm getting, so that I can take take those opportunities, uh, you know, to another level and and. I think that the humble part is I really appreciate you saying that because I, I certainly feel like I have a lot of work to do in that area. Um, it comes out a lot of my competitiveness, but uh, being around people that uh, keep me in check a little bit has been, uh, been been great. And I'm just super, super grateful for the environment that I've come up in in the sport. I, I don't really know what I did to deserve it. But, uh, besides just the two of y'all, I could just go down a list of people that, uh, have influenced me, um, beyond words and and as a person too, not just, uh, not just a skydiver. Um, so it's really, really been a fun year for me seeing my personal maybe growth, uh, kind of start to be integrated into my work life as well, which, you know, some people see more or less of, you know, you guys know me as, uh, a friend more than a, uh, a skydiver, but some people are only going to know me as, as their coach too. So it's been really important that they, they know a good version of, of me too. If, if the only little aspect and fraction of me is you know, what they know is the professional side of me, then I, I want that to be a better side. And that's not always been the thinking that I've had. And I feel super lucky as I'm more aware of all the opportunities that I've gotten that, um, that I've had a lot of patience along the way from uh, from a lot of people that, uh, that I respect a lot. So, especially especially you two, really appreciate it. Your opinion means nothing to me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. No, right man. I, I love you. You're a great friend. You're a great yeah. person. And uh, all, all that. All that. Right back at you, man. Yeah, man. So I don't know what to push over here next to end the show. Well, if you had been paying attention, you'd be ready. 
I, not dude i you know i sorry really, sorry anyone who watched on facebook and got a late start dj was a little behind the curve <laughs> dude i really like i'm excited because the first couple times i ran these boards i was lost as a motherfucker and didn't push any buttons but did you notice i had things ready sometimes like i actually tried to pay well, you just been over there eating the whole time <laughs> <laughs> I, I did eat for the first what 10 minutes i was yeah, just mowing down man so I'm trying to find all these buttons. But, uh, man, text anything else you want to tell people out there in, in podcast land listening to stupid stuff? Uh, no, i just uh, like to say thanks to everybody that's flown with me. So let's do some more of that. Yo, guys and gals, Gravity Lab Radio, we are putting this thing in a box. We will see you guys next in the land, Florida, with one hell of a good time. Peace out. Mm-hmm. See you then, Mr. P. Meet me. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Skydive every day. Ha, 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 ha.